Hello, welcome once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast featuring myself, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing all right. First off, Eric, you do another, well, you do a few podcasts, but you do one with your buddy Dan as well. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Ascancity Podcast. That's A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher and on the iTunes Store. And Mike, you do a genre blog. On occasion, yes, it's uh, Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. You can find it wherever the interwebs are sold. Very good. And Mike, you do uh, another podcast. Okay, I I didn't want to... <laughs> Didn't want to go into this one. You always confuse him with this, Phil. It's you're right. It's uh, it's babycatlovers.com that we want to. <laughs> I don't know how you found me out. I, but... I, I, I hope that's uh, not a real website because it could. Be bad. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was cat, not kid. I want to be really clear about that. <laughs> um, well, it's anyhow. better. N- never mind. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> one's illegal, one's just weird. <laughs> Moving on. So, uh, Mike, you do another uh, podcast myself and Eric, I believe. Yes, I do. This is uh, Dark Discussions Podcast, which is uh, your, your your source for all that is uh, what dark and... Uh, I had it. Dark something and fantastic, right? It's basically a genre podcast where... Uh, and our next episode, we'll be discussing the... Uh, uh, the 1983 Poltergeist film, as well as its recent remake. Uh, we've recently done Mad Max. Uh, we have plans for hitting the Jurassic Park franchise, for those who are interested. Uh, we also tackle some uh, smaller films, uh, this year thing, movies like Predestination, uh, Ex Machina, and Zombievers. Uh, Zombievers! Spring. Uh, Spring was another one, so... Yeah, if uh, I would certainly say Game of Thrones listeners uh, would be interested in our episode on Black Death, which I believe you and Eric did. Oh yeah, yes. way back. Yep. Which which stars Ned Stark? It does. I uh, actually recently gave that a rewatch. It's still good. Yeah, and you may want to tune in to see if Sean Bean survives this one. <laughs> True. That would be at www.darkdiscussions.com is the website for our sister podcast, Dark Discussions, but also it is the website for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Um, Also, we are on uh, the RSS feed for this podcast here. Uh, Just search for it on Stitcher or iTunes under You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. But we are also under the Dark Discussions feed as well. And we do have a Facebook group called Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group, which is where the Game of Thrones uh, listeners go as well. And we have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and a Twitter account, and various other um, things you can find on darkdiscussions.com. And at the bottom of... The page is links to pretty much all those things, and on the right side of the front page are links to Escancity Podcast as well as a Natural Selections genre blog, as well as other things, as I stated. Um, now, uh, let's see, Mike uh, or Eric, any news on the Game of Thrones front before we uh, discuss anything specific? Uh, I think we should get into the episode because it was awesome. 
All right. Uh, I will say that, that, in, it sounds like somebody's digging in sunflower that, seeds. That's, that's Mike. No, that's rain, actually, in the background. Is it rain? Okay. Yeah, I just stepped out on the back porch for a second. Um, the uh, there There is some news I don't want to get into too much. Uh, but if it's you look more around, there's discussions there's, podcast. No, that's uh, that is about Game of Thrones. That they're uh, put out the casting call for certain roles for season six. And, oh, that okay, right? And if you're not a book reader, like I'm not, you're not going to have any idea who these roles are unless you like read the comments to see what they're talking about. If you are a book reader, you'll probably get an idea from the character descriptions who the characters are supposed to be, assuming that they are characters from the books. Um, I don't want to go into them because, A, I don't really remember them, and B, you know, that would be kind of spoilery. But go look for them and see uh, Game of Thrones casting season six on your Google or Bing or whatever search engine these kids are using these days. Um, if you're wondering what might possible storylines they'll be looking at uh, next season. Very good. Uh, we did have a... Uh, some comments on our Facebook page, uh, though we're, we are called here, You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, once again, we are under the Dark Discussion Podcast Facebook group, because uh, they are our sister podcast. And uh, some folks uh, commented on, on uh, some of the episodes. Uh, we haven't got emails yet, but we definitely have gotten some uh, Facebook discussion. And uh, one of them is specifically the Sansa stuff. Um some of our listeners have spoken, and let's see what they have to say. Uh, I think it was uh, one, mainly. All right. Well, uh, Michelle Barkley, right? And yes. she has a few things. And then uh, Chris Genro, uh, he had uh, some interesting things, too, I believe. And so uh, let's read these. Um, she goes, Michelle Barkley. And by the way, as always, thank you to everybody who comments. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we love hearing feedback, what listeners have as their own opinions, and also uh, just a good discussion uh, on Facebook, never mind emails, work for us. Um, so Michelle Barkley speaks, and she says, I'm currently listening to this episode at work. A quick word, and uh, this is the episode that we entitled uh, The Santa Controversy. It's a 40-minute episode that uh, was released hand-in-hand uh, -hand with our discussion on episode 6 uh, I follow seven. Oh, so, seven. You're right. Yep, sorry about that. And uh, here we go. Uh, she goes, I think the controversy is ridiculous. They are fictional characters. It is set in a world where women, for the most part, are treated like garbage. Do I take offense to this? Uh, no. It's fake. Unfortunately, things like this do happen in the r real world. But quite frankly, if those sorts of scenes bother you, you should have quit watching this series in season one. Horrible things have happened to all ages and sexes of people in the show. Children are burned. Old ladies are flayed, for Pete's sake. But it is all fake. I'm also tired of the book purists bitching about the show. The showrunners have their original author's blessing to go in what direction they want, and they have made it far more interesting than books four and five. Uh, I think Eric would agree with that. Yes. We would, yes, uh, we would have to be introduced to a whole new cast of characters, and it would be too much for ten episodes in a season. And let's face it, who didn't see it coming when Ramsey did what he did? He's an evil fuck who hunts people with crossbows, <laughs> castrates people at whim, and flays people with enthusiasm. He's a piece of shit who we all knew wasn't going to break out the bed if a bed of rose petals for his new wife. 
the show did its job for me. I was ready to ride to Winterfell to kill Ramsay myself. Joffrey is gone, and we need a new character to despise. Well, we got him. And then uh, she wrote another thing. One last thing I have to throw in is something Eric said at the very end of this episode about respecting the fact that people may have real reactions to what happened. My heart goes out to anyone who has ever been in that situation, but you would have to take more than that one show to task for implying rape. Phil had a damn good point about Law and Order SVU. And, Mike, I know what you mean about trigger warnings. Three of my favorite audio fiction podcasts now have to have warnings at the beginning because people complain the stories bothered them. Seriously. So that's interesting. Uh, and then um, uh, Chris Genro wrote some stuff and in the same thread, and he wrote, Wow, just finished this episode, and boy, did things get a little heated. I can see where everyone is coming from with their opinions. I think that Game of Thrones, the TV show, has set a precedent with previous episodes as to the sexual violent themes they will tackle on a week-to-week basis. So for me, or anyone else who decides to watch an episode, especially this far into the series, we kind of have an idea what we're in store for. So while, like Eric, I totally agree that we should respect people's emotional reactions to a horrific event, I also agree with Mike that you kind of know what you're getting into when you watch this show. Then there's Phil, who always manages to make me laugh with his unbridled honesty and emotion. Great discussions, gentlemen. I would have listened to you guys debate even longer. So uh, that's uh, from uh, two of our listeners, Michelle Barkley and Chris Genro. Uh, any comments from you, Eric, or you, Mike? Well, I would just say that uh, it's great to get uh, feedback on a show. And uh, like you said, we always appreciate it. Uh, and just remember that anybody who disagrees with me is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, what about yourself? I think we lost Mike. No, I'm right here. Sorry. It's he's, always- under, he's, he's undertaking a protest of silence on that last comment. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. it's always nice to get to hear from listeners and hear feedback, and we really love it when you agree with us, uh, especially when you somehow manage to find a way to agree with all of us, even though we're disagreeing. So that's always good to hear. Look, it is. It's a show. We sh- it's a show that we are enjoying, um, and could end up from for me being the best show or or my favorite show of TV for all time, um, depending on how it ends up wrapping up. It's certainly rich and meaty it's got a lot of things to discuss it's unfortunate when things happen that people aren't happy with but um you know it is the show that it is so if you can't keep watching sorry to lose you but it's going to take a lot more than than bad things happening to good people to get me to tune off the show yes yep and absolutely i agree and uh, as us new englanders specifically those close to the boston area say best show Ever. 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 Or, or, the show is wicked good. That's, wicked awesome. It's the wicked awesome show. Best ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, All there, but good call. Yes. Um, so, um, I, it sounds good. I think, um, folks that haven't listened to that episode yet, it's called The Sansa Controversy, and, uh, me, Mike, and Eric do discuss it in detail for about 40 minutes at all different angles. 
from. Okay. And uh, Phil, I want to compliment you on your judgment there, splitting that off into its own episode because uh, we did go on for a bit. It was recorded along with uh, episode seven, like you said. Uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, it's got its own little space on the internet now so that uh, I can understand that people are sick of this topic and may not want to listen to that whole thing. Uh, and if so, they can skip it and just listen to episode seven. No, that's true. And and to be honest, uh, um, it, it was pretty well self-contained, so I could rip it right out of the episode and it didn't cause any issues at all. And uh, I know, Mike, on the Facebook, you actually even said uh, in another uh, podcast – listening group uh, that you thought that was a good idea as well to split it yes. off. Yeah. So yeah, because I, I agree. Eric just took the words out of my mouth, so I didn't need to say it. Yep. And uh, to be honest, there's a lot of people out there that just want to hear more about that. So now they have their own little contained episode. There you go. Yeah. And they can go back and listen to it again and again and again and again. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about this new episode here. The new episode uh, just aired uh, on May 31st, last day of May, and it was called Hard Home, named after a, I guess, a city uh, in the north of, or on the other side of the wall, directed by Mig- Miguel Sapochnik, who is the same guy that directed The Gift from last week, and he is, I believe, a citizen of Britain and hasn't done too much uh, work, oddly. Um, but uh, I gave his little biography on last episode, the, the gift episode. Uh, the writers are David Ben Neuf and D.B. Weiss. I'm sure I destroyed those names, Eric. Uh, but those are the <laughs> yeah, showrunners. Uh, I, I believe Benioff is how you pronounce that. Benioff. Ah, good. Yeah, so David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are the showrunners, and they are the ones that actually wrote the script for this. This is the last episode directed by Miguel Sapochnik. And next week, it'll be David Nutter, and he will do eight, I mean, nine and ten, because again, they're doing it differently this season compared to last season and prior seasons, which is they're doing a director to direct two episodes back to back. And this is the second by Miguel Sapochnik. And I like saying that, Sapochnik. It's almost as fun as saying, <laughs> saying buggery and ponces. <laughs> Miguel Sapochnik. Yes, and he's the one that, that talked about the buggery and, and uh, ponches anyway. So there you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is actually one of the um, uh, unknown uh, TV ratings yet. Uh, last week, the gift was the lowest so far this season at five point four million American viewers. Anyway, um, and unfortunately, it's not known yet what uh, Hard Home episode eight. Has as a ranking, and the last thing I wanted to mention is that it got a hundred percent good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, thirty out of thirty positive reviews. So this is one. Phil, of more. yes, I have a question for you on those numbers. Okay, do you know if there are only people who watch during broadcast, or do they include people watching through HBO Go and HBO Now? Excellent point, Eric, because I started watching it on HBO Go five minutes after it started. Um, and this is actually uh, from the Sunday cable ratings on TV by the numbers is the website. And let's see what it says. I, I didn't actually get to read the article fully. Um, but you're right, because that's a huge thing nowadays, Eric, is that folks record and watch it after the fact. And so um, let's see. I'm guessing this is live, not act, not streaming. 
but that's, okay, that's this, just this, my best. All right, I, I got the answer right here. It says live and same day ratings. So I would assume it would include the HBO Go folks who watched it. So it would include you watching it five minutes later, but not somebody watching it today. That's what it appears based okay. off this here. Yeah, um, Mike. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, something to remember is that every year before now, that HBO has skipped Memorial Day weekend because yes, people are, are doing things. This year they showed during Memorial Day weekend because guess what? They now have HBO now and they're more focusing, I'm guessing, on getting the content out for streaming than they are about the overnight ratings through the cable service. Right. And so, this is the reason why most shows will go into repeats on a holiday weekend is because the ratings will drop, as they did. And if HBO's ratings this season are down, it's really premature to say it's because the season has sucked, because if that's the case, you would expect it to have started high and dropped down. Or whether it's because, of, remember, we had four leaked episodes at the beginning. We have the HBO Now as a new service. Um, and HBO now gave like a free month to anybody who wanted one. Right. Right. Or if you have, if you have an Apple product. Mm hmm. Yep. Um, so there may have been a lot of people going that route instead of going through the traditional cable route. And a lot of people are dropping cable. So I'd well, be really, even, even people that aren't signing up for HBO now, there's still HBO Go, which if you subscribe to HBO, uh, is essentially the same thing as HBO now, just, called something else and you have to have a subscription for it yes right and hbo now will be available to non-apple people like 30 minutes after the game of thrones season ends <laughs> that's 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 because right whoever signed, that, whoever signed that deal for apple was a fucking genius oh i'm sure i am sure that somebody you know those military cargo planes <laughs> I think they landed one of those at HBO headquarters and emptied it up and rolled out pallets of cash. Yeah, probably. Probably. Saying, you know, don't give it to non-Apple people until after Game of Thrones is over. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And uh, two, two of the smartest companies in the world, HBO and uh, Apple, team up. There you go. <laughs> All we have to do is throw in Oracle and, and then you get a tree. tree <laughs> I, I do. I am. A, I am a little bothered by the fact that Tyrion's been watch, wearing an eye watch all season. <laughs> I think fun. that's. I, I think fun. that's pushing it a little. You know, uh, just saying. Just saying. And if Jorah was wearing an eye watch, he wouldn't have been touched in that area and gotten grayscale. And while they were, uh, and while they were in the dungeons, they were wearing eye chains. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask because again, Eric, you're a book reader. Yeah. Uh, by which I don't mean a person who reads books, but specifically a person who's read these books because we well, all I'm read books. books. Well, yeah, but I'm saying we all are book readers. I'm not like, oh, you're a book reader, aren't you? <laughs> so, Take your fancy you, book learning and get out of here. Yeah, because you know it's usually said by one of the book burners, but that's um, but it's uh, was there a a, a thing in the book? Where Jon Snow goes up north and fights zombies? No. Yeah, you know, fucking ruining the show again, you know, just by they strain from the source material and ruining it again. I just I don't you know what's wrong. Joking? With we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> That's one of the most awesome things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, I'm just hoping that shuts some people up. Yeah. I don't think it ever will. 
Like, it, there will always be that handful that have to say in their ruining the source material. And ruining yeah, my, my yeah. favorite. Blah, blah, blah. So, well, the source material hate. is still there, so. All right, anyhow. So the episode is Hard Home. Yes. So, um, uh, things that were left out at Hard Home uh, this week, uh, this episode, uh, there was no Stannis. They were speaking of Stannis, but there was no Stannis specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, there and therefore, no, no witch. There was no, yeah, so that means there would be no, she's a witch, Marisandre. Uh, <laughs> and then there was no, uh, one of my favorite characters, uh, Lord Baelish. And uh, I think uh, that's no, it. no, no, late, no Lady Olana. No, oh, right. yeah, that's right. No Lady, and- no Tyrells, and no Dawn people. You know, no Dawn people saw, and um, no, no boobies. <laughs> no boobies. It's very sad. No boobies. Uh, I can't believe Phil left that one out. <laughs> well, they are his favorite character. I, I, uh, I would like to take care of that for everybody. <laughs> uh, I think I, I actually, you know, I'm going to look this up real quick, so I might be wrong, but I swear to God, I just saw Baelish in a preview for the sequel to Maze Runner. Yes. Oh, um, oh, okay. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, on my opinion, a high recommend. Uh, the Maze Runner was actually one of the best genre films of last year i thought it was a total surprise by me i just happened to you know get it on itunes and i, I was still haven't puzzling. seen it but it was uh it was really disconcerting to see him as not baelish yeah that should... is interesting. he was in another wasn't he played a bad guy in some action thriller like john wick no that was alfie allen but he he played a action a bad guy in another film i think he could do he, it his he was in where i know him from prior to game of thrones um, is that he played uh, Mayor Carcetti in HBO's The Wire, uh, where he also plays a sleazy politician. Okay. So this was a bit of a stretch. But uh, really good thing he starts in in season three and kind of carries through to the to the final season of that series. And, it, and certainly if you're interested in, a, uh, in a, a really well done police drama, I would highly recommend The Wire for anybody. Uh, who's interested? And they think they've got an awesome I, cast in that too. I have to watch that. It's one I haven't caught up with yet. And and it is one of these shows. that's a lot like Game of Thrones, where y- if you watch one episode, you're not necessarily going to get it. It's because each ch- episode is like a chapter in a book. You got to keep going through, and not necessarily expect resolution at the end of each episode. Yeah, so the way I've heard the uh, telling of TV history is that the shield led to the wire, which led to uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, uh, yeah, there's stuff before that too. So you also had Oz, you had Homicide, you had Murder One, which and Babylon Five, which started long form storytelling. Actually, you can go back probably to The Fugitive and the, and the Prisoner for that, right? Oh, like telling good call. Yeah, story you're right. Yep. No, that's true. All right, so uh, back to Game of Thrones. Since no one cares about those things. Um, that's not true, Phil. A lot of people care about those things, just not you. Well, or anybody probably listening to the podcast. Possibly, <laughs> yes, yes. But yes, you can find Aiden Gill, Gillian, or whatever his name is, in the other show, which we got six degrees of separation all the way to The Fugitive. That's right. Yes. Well, The Wire was also an HBO show, and HBO right. tends to use, reuse a lot of the same actors. Yes, yes, I do. A lot, lot, lot of shows do that, as a matter of fact. Um, so, what else? Did we miss anybody else that's a main plot line? This should, so, we're not including Bran or, or any of the, or Rick and or any of those, but uh, we said Baelish was out, All of Dawn was out, uh, Stannis and the Red Witch were out, 
Um, and Varys, of course, is out because he's disappeared three episode three, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think, it. Right? Uh, I think the Stark boys and the uh, the rest of the Greyjoys are all out for the entire season. Oh, and and our, the biggest character this season is Rape. Rape wasn't in this episode. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Let's um, move on. They, they didn't even have his little brother attempted rape. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. So, um, uh, I guess uh, we'll we'll just go through all the uh, storylines. Uh, we don't have to go scene by scene. Uh, so, we'll, we'll start with, uh, uh, I guess, uh, Tyrion and... and Danny, I guess, or that whole yeah, yeah. Line. All right, so we'll start. Uh, Tyrion. Oh God. Okay. Uh, the show starts out with Tyrion at the foot of uh, Danny's throne, trying to convince her that uh, he's actually more uh, worthy as an advisor than being executed. Um, and I could watch Tyrion and Danny verbally joust all day long. I love this scene, and I love the other scene with the two of them in it this episode. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a great pairing. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Uh, and eventually Tyrion convinces her to not actually execute Jorah, uh, because it would send the wrong, cause he's devoted to her and it would send the wrong message to people who want to be devoted to her. Uh, so he convinces her to just throw him out of the city, so she does that. Uh, and what, what was your guys' opinion of that? Because um, I was kind of pissed and surprised uh, because um, there was no. I thought they were going to bring him back into the, the fold, and they decided not to. Uh, and Tyrion seemed to, you know, basically be the narcissist. Like, ah, who cares? Get rid of him. But Spears' life. Instead of saying he's my buddy, he's he knows what he's doing. We should bring him back. Well, well I thought it was a great thing. decision. Well, and the way the that thing. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, here's the thing about Tyrion is that he knows how to play the game, uh, and he probably also knows that if he had approached it that way to Danny, she would have executed him. So he approaches it from a different direction, in which he successfully reaches the goal of saving Jorah's life. But why couldn't they bring him back? Why couldn't he come in? Because he did Victoria. He went. He walks through the whole thing, and I thought it was a great thing to go into this. Um, because it does start with her saying, well, you know, I or reminded that if he comes back, she'll kill him. We saw she was still angry at him in the last episode uh, because he's an idiot. He's like that guy who had the bad breakup and just figures if he runs back with flowers. <laughs> well, there's no doubt he's, he's, he's a loser when it comes to that, yeah. Um, and so she throws it on him because she doesn't want to execute him. But she promised to do it. So she's put herself in a conundrum as a leader, and we've seen her in that position before, right, where she has to execute somebody that maybe she isn't sure she wants to execute. What well, do you do, I, and how do you handle it? I have to disagree. No one had to be executed, but that's besides the point. Um, well, but, it depends on how you consider has. So she gives it to him, and he points out rightly that if you have people he's devoted to you, and if you kill people who are devoted to you, guess what? Nobody's going to want to be devoted to you. <laughs> and that'll be shitty. On the other hand, he did betray you, and you don't want to keep people with you who have betrayed you. And and it is a fair point when he says, well, did he have an opportunity to tell you he was spying on you, or that whatever it is? And she's perfectly fair in saying that he had years to tell her at well, any point along the way. Let me interject here, which is, we know the truth, which is, Jorah ain't 
any harm to her anymore. So why doesn't he take she take him back? She should take him back, even if he is because it's also sending a message to the other people around her that and she's weak. That, that she's weak. Well, all right, I, fair enough. I, I think it, I, uh, to be honest, I think he should just move on because there's there's better ladies out there anyway. So he's just being a loser for crawling back, like you said, with the flower. You want him to go back to Stan to, to his wife Sansa. <laughs> Come again? Where's Sansa? 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 What do you think? What do you, what do you think about the whole thing? I think that Tyrion was right, which is you should just stay in Essos and not go over to the other side. And then I think she is a sociopathic nut because she wants to de- destroy every house family in the entire Westeros, which is insane because there will be civil wars and growing warfare forever. That, that is, that is not necessarily what she said. No, <laughs> actually, yeah, I was going to point that out myself. Fair enough, but but either way, um, it's just Phil on his anti-Danny bandwagon. Yeah, since she he wants, thinks she that wants slavery is a good thing, and every poor person should be subjugated. She's never going to be able to do it. I mean, at the end of the show, she could be the ruler, quote unquote, ruler of Westeros. But if the show went on for another twenty years, it'd be growing warfare for the rest of. Eternity until she's overthrown. Well, I don't know what she has in mind, and I think her point being, you know, this is the Gordian knot, right? You know the story of the Gordian knot? No. I, th- I think this is something, I think it was Alexander comes, the Gordian knot was this great puzzle where it was a rope that was tied into a knot, hence the name, um, and both ends of the rope were encased in large stones or blocks. And the puzzle was how do you untie the knot because you couldn't get a hold of the ends, which Alexander solved by just cutting the, the rope in half. Okay. Um, so here, this is Danny saying, I'm not playing the Game of Thrones. I'm going to stop the game. You know, he's out, he's, she's out interested in stopping the wheel, you know, meaning that I don't want to be the one who gets ahead and be the one that stays on top and then stop playing the game there. I want to stop the game, period, because the wheel, as you're saying, is crushing people under it. And that is something we are seeing thematically throughout the series. I do think that Danny's heart is in the right place, but she's not got her head in the right place because she's trying 19. to figure things out. Yeah, she's 19 <laughs> years old. She's trying to figure stuff out and not always doing a good job of it. And this is where having good advisors like Tyrion will help her out, help her find the right way. And yes, he's absolutely right in one way that stay where you are, you'll do great. On the other hand, she says that I'm not willing, I'm willing to keep doing what I'm doing here, but I need to move on. And I can't criticize it without knowing exactly what she has in mind. I gotta say, I loved the line when they first started talking about it. She says, help me get what I want. And he's like, well, what do you want? And she's like, the Iron Throne, and he goes, well, maybe you should want something else. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and what I'm liking about their interplay is, because it's very different than, you know, than certainly you had, like Tyrion and Varys, you had two people who seemed to know and like and respect each other. 
And here it's it's a weirdly more playful banter. It's in that it's two people who just don't give a shit. Well, that, I wouldn't say that, but but uh, what's going on here is she's pretty much without saying it, she's she's pretty much putting forth the challenge. All right, little man, show me what you got. Right, but he's also saying, you know what? I know what I'm going to say could get me killed, but fuck it. I've got nothing left to lose. Right. And so and so there's a little bit more edge to what they're doing, not in a bad way, but in, 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 a, in a lot more, I don't know, it's, it's in sort of a, uh, a verbal sparring kind of thing. And I'm kind of liking, but in a playful way, the way they're doing it, because they clearly know they can use each other. Right. But also neither one wants to necessarily, I keep saying, well, I haven't decided if you're worthy of my help. You know, it's <laughs> right. right. Um, and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying that. So, you know, once again, you know, this is, I think, hands down the best episode of the season. Absolutely. Uh, and the best one I think they've had in a while. And lo and behold, they, they do it when they don't have rape, they don't have Dorn, and they let Tyrion do his thing by talking. Yes. Which I said before was, you know, kind Let of... Tyrion talk a lot. That's not I, the reason why this episode was good. The no, 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 but you know what? one of them. But this was, this was already a really solid episode by the time Even we got the to the... Yes. Yeah, by the time we got to the two-thirds mark or wherever we were, it was a really awesome episode. Now, it, it, just, it just became more awesomer. Now, is, is Tyrion just an opportunist? Because... He's just randomly going to any leader that will that he can basically get a hold on and be a the quote unquote the I guess the Bismarck uh, well, or, the, or the Disrael if you want. Uh, I, I think Tyrion has always been an opportunist, and he would have preferred to be with his family. But since that didn't work out, screw it. Tyrion, Tyrion I think, and I, I said this a long time ago. Um, in the Dark Discussions podcast, is a lot of the characters in this series are characters searching for their identity and finding their place in the world. And in some cases, chafing at the fact that society has said, because you're a lord so-and-so or lady such-and-such, you must be pegged into this hole for eternity. Um, Tyrion was a character without a place in the world. He was a dwarf in a, you know, the most powerful family and therefore was never going to get a position of respect, even though he desperately wanted it. He finally gets it. And then doesn't get his recognition for it. He's trying to find where he belongs and what he can do. He found something he enjoys doing other than drinking and screwing. Yeah, which is basically being the hand of the king or something similar to that. And so he's looking for someone. Right, he tried, like Eric's right, he was tried being loyal to his family. That didn't work. Um, his family fucked him over badly. And everyone so else is kind of losing. moved on. <laughs> everyone else is a losing hand. He trusts Varys. Varys says, "Hey, she's a worthy person." I think if he went to Danny and she turned out to be Princess Joffrey, <laughs> uh, I think he would have just said, "You know what? Fuck it, take my head." But he's looking for he is looking for someone who is worthy of his talents and skills. All right, very well. Uh, any further things you wanted to talk about? Uh, this storyline, Danny rules, and she will end up saving Westeros. I don't think it needs any savings, personally. I just think it. Needs oh yeah, those White Walkers are not there at all. Uh, well, we'll be discussing that in a moment, Terry. Yes, we will. He's, he wants he wants Cersei to end up on the Game of Thrones on the, the <laughs> Iron Throne, rather. Uh, no, no, I didn't say that. I just don't. 
want uh, Danny to be there myself. I just I never liked the story. And yes, and Tyrion with dragons completely boring. And now that Tyrion is uh, there, it doesn't really intrigue me much anyway because he's it's just an opportunity. It's all it is. I don't, I don't know nothing about it interests me. I'm sorry. Uh, you but should I be because you suck. I can see why everybody else would like like it though. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, he's looking for a job. There's only you know, he took a job. He had no. He got fired, right? And he was looking for a job. They were hiring. He's supposed to be with the Griffs. God damn it! But they don't <laughs> exist. Fair enough. Okay. So, uh, what else uh, did you guys want to mention here? I, I did uh, enjoy. I, I, you know what? I think he's gonna be able to convince her to not go to Westeros. So I'm still not convinced that she's gonna go. Well, and Phil, uh, say what you may about the characters. You have to admit that uh, there's the a a class acting going on here. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, uh, Dinklage is obviously a uh, fantastic actor. Amelia Clark is is very good as well. Um, and yeah, I, I mean I, to be honest, I'm obviously exaggerating and trying to be funny when I say I, I hate the whole storyline, which I, that is not true. However, um, it isn't one of my favorite storylines. But yeah, I we know these these. Scenes were definitely some of the better this season for the storyline. Um, again, it's probably because of Dinklage more than anything else. However, the motivation of Dinklage, again, it's probably like you said, Mike, he's doesn't have any other opportunity, so here it is. Why not this one? Um, this sounds good, but I personally think he should be with Stannis because Stannis is the true and one leader. <laughs> He's a witch puppet. But you know what? Okay. I, if, Var- if Varys had put him in a crate and put him on a cart and carried him over to Stannis, he probably would give it a shot. Yep. Right, right. Good point. So Varys is the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he is the spider. Yes, he is. All right. So uh, so uh, speaking of Stannis, nobody shall, we, the shall we go over to Winterfell? Uh, oh, yeah. we're headed there? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of scenes in Winterfell. There's one with... Uh, uh, Reek slash Theon with Sansa and one with the Boltons and a couple of their uh, red shirt advisors. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Sansa confronts uh, Reek in her room. She refuses to call him Reek. She just keeps on calling him Theon because she's trying to bring him back to the light side. Um, and, oh, man, she's she's kind of angry at him. Um, <laughs> cause she basically tells him that, uh, if she could do everything that, uh, Ramsey had done to him right now, that she would, uh, and basically confronts him about killing her brothers. Uh, and he snaps under the pressure and confesses that he didn't actually kill the Stark brothers, that they were two farm boys. Uh, so, so Sansa no- now knows that her brothers are alive. And we all know that as long as they were nameless farm boys and not noble-born characters with their names in the opening credits, you then can kill as many children as, is perfectly fine. Ab- exactly, he's yeah. all screaming. I, it's, it's it's weird because it plays that way, but I, it's just that she's happy to find out her family's still alive. Um, <laughs> I do like the fact that um, because we've seen what he's been through, and why did he betray her? Well, we understand he's kind of under Reek's thumb. But right, he did do that whole thing with Theon where he let Theon escape and then 
recaptured him and brought him back, right? It just was a game. It was teasing. And he believes that they were so bought into uh, Ramsey being five moves ahead that he thinks if Sansa escapes, it's just going to be a trap, that it, that he's going to end up recapturing her and he's going to end up hurting her. Right. So in his mind, and it's a twisted logic, and you have to recognize that he is not in his right frame of mind. By helping her escape, he's going to end up just helping her get herself hurt later on. At least in his mind. In his mind, right. Which admittedly is traumatized and twisted. Well, yeah, I mean... uh, But it's also consistent with what we've seen up to this point in what's happened to Theon. Yeah. Reek. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It it is interesting. The the character of Reek slash Theon and the actor that plays on Elfie Allen, uh, it's amazing that transformation because here in the first episodes of the season one, never mind two, especially season two, is this cocky uh, character that kind of um, seems Wanted like... Wanted to bone his own sister? Well, he, 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 <laughs> That's he, right, that he, did happen. <laughs> he, he didn't know that, that was, it was his sister. But, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> but basically, he was this cocky character that that seemed like he had his head on his shoulders a little bit anyway, and that he just had daddy issues, and uh, that kind of all backfired, and now he's this meek, weak person, which is which is very sad, to be honest. So. Well, it is that it's kind of uh, the totality of it is impressive, um, because when when Sansa keeps on calling him Theon, he keeps on saying, no, Reek, Reek! And you... I don't. I don't think that the brainwashing was that effective as far as him thinking he's Reek and not Theon. But I do think that he believes that this could be a trap set by Ramsay, and that if he admits that he's Theon, Ramsay will come out and do something horrible to him. That, that's exactly what I think it is, Eric. I think he knows but, exactly who he is, but uh, or at least now he does. I mean, at points maybe he didn't, but he definitely knows what he is. It's just that it's best to live this way because. If he says he's Theon Greyjoy, then yeah, you can you can find another terrible torture for him, and he's scared of that. But I think it's also that he he said, you know, I got everything that was coming to me. You're right, I deserve what happened to me because uh-huh. the uh, and I think part of it is that he can be happier being Reek rather than being Theon because if it's Theon, he has to take ownership for everything he did. Well, Ooh, you know, that's kind of an interesting right. Interesting so, point. so by 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 saying I'm Reek, I'm Reek. He's Reek, he doesn't have to face what he did. He have, doesn't have to face the horrible things he did, and he recognizes he's 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 unlike most of the people in Westeros who are treated like shit just because of you know the fact that they weren't nobleborn. He's treating like being treated like shit because he deserves to be treated like shit, and he recognizes he deserves to be treated like shit. And he's where he belongs because this is the pun. He believes he deserves all this punishment he's getting. Well, so I, I think that's the, the mistake because I, I don't think anybody deserves what he went through. And yeah, he did a couple of uh, acts that we most certainly would, would consider horrendous. You know, a couple burning of children. Yeah, a couple of farm boys betraying and, his family. Uh, well, I don't know if he betrayed his family because again, he was, his family's are the Greyjoys. He just happened to be the ward and grew up. With the Starks, and he, and in theory, the Greyjoys and Starks were enemies. But you're right; he he probably should have had a different mindset because you know they treated him well, and um, as one of theirs, even if he wasn't a blood relative. 
And oh, who was that? The guy with the yeah, he killed the basically the man at arms, the number two guy, right? Guard, the, the head knight. That um, was his first really big mistake. Yeah, he took t- chopped the guy's head off, and he killed him barely. <laughs> yeah, and he also killed. <laughs> yeah. uh, he weren't no John Snow about it. And then he he killed. Um, I think he killed um, uh, the 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 Meister as well because he didn't he die under the weirwood tree from a wound that was caused from basically the Greyjoy army that Theon led. Yeah, I don't know if you can pin that on him personally, but he was part of it. Well, because well, it, all, it all stems back to his decision to invade Winterfell. Yes, that's what I mean. Right, now, right. But you're in a war, you know, if there's a difference, um, I, I'm blanking on the guy's name, if, if What's-His-Face, you know, had been killed in the battle for Winterfell, you can certainly... Uh, fault him for invading Winterfell, but they are kind of in the middle of a war. Um, everybody who's in charge of some army, which half the characters in the show are, are therefore responsible for the, for a large number of deaths. But once the battle is over, and how do you treat the people after the battle is over? And there were people he executed he didn't have to execute. That's right. That's and that's right. the lesson that uh, Roose Bolton was trying to teach Ramsay, but Ramsey has clearly not learned it. Right, right, because he was flaying people and so forth. But you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, no matter what we say about Roose Bolton, um, he was a banner man for the Stark family, meaning he was breaking bread uh, at many times with Ned Stark, who is, quote-unquote, the, the best person and uh, or the most honest and legitimate human being that ever was on this show. The only, uh, the only honest man in Westeros. Hey, hey, Sam. Right, well, in, yeah, that's a fair point. But I mean, in position of power, <laughs> Sam is, is still not a, a man of position of power. But that's fair. Um, and and so Bolton, no matter how much of a, a bastard he is, and, and basically what happened is, I think the scene about him raping Ramsay's mother was specifically, I don't know if it was in the books, but it was specifically added in the the show probably to make us hate him because at points I don't think people hated him um, as much until that scene when he's talking about how I killed your, your mother's fa- husband and then I raped your mother um, under her, his body. And, and so that was pretty bad. So it makes us all hate him. But my point is, is that that he. Oh my god, this show is awful. <laughs> when you hear that story, oh. but uh, basically, he was he's wise enough to know exactly what you said, Mike. Which is, or well, I think we do that sort of arc that, um, you know, you gotta not after the battle. You you don't you know you do what Rob Baratheon did, which is is you appease by. You don't have to lose your head about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what, was, what was it that Baratheon did? What's the word I'm looking for when uh, you take over your enemy's surrender? The usurper. You, you, your enemy's the usurper. Usurper. Usurped. You usurp. He basically won the war, took over the throne. Appeased? And then, not appeased, but then he pardoned. He pardoned, pardoned. all, all the, the people that fought for the Targaryens, and so they... Pardoned. ...liked him. And so... Um, Bolton, oddly, is uh, similar to that, where he's smart enough to know um, 
what to do. And then, yeah, like we said, Ramsey is, is kind of being like Theon was, in a sense. I mean, it's almost like a mirror image, except uh, he's smarter than Theon. Yes. And again, it's daddy issues, too. Game of Thrones, also known as 100 Reasons to Hate Your Father. Yeah. Yeah, so it appears that by the end of this season, which there's only two episodes left, Theon is going to help Sansa. Would you guess that is correct? It could go either way. Uh, I was talking to like Pam last night and uh, over dinner, and you know, so naturally we were talking about Game of Thrones and rape because you know what else wouldn't you? <laughs> um, but the, I was questioning. At some point in the show, we believe that Ramsay's going to be killed. I'm just wondering who hope. who will be the one that should take down Ramsay, and there is certainly a um. If you're going with with convention, it should be at this point Sansa or Theon, right? And you could okay, but at the same time, who should have been the one to take down um, Joffrey? And most of us wouldn't have guessed Lady Olena and Littlefinger, right? So the show doesn't always go with. Hey, I have a question. The traditional narrative. Do you think that Sansa knows that she transported the poison that killed Joffrey? She does. Uh, 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 Baelish told her. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but she so, didn't know at the time, though. No. She, so she should be proud of that. That was a worthy worthy effort. She her. wore a necklace. That was... I know. Good job existing, Sansa. <laughs> but up until know. that point, that's really all she'd done. I, I have to <laughs> I have to last episode, we discussed that that Joffrey was actually a very good character, and and we now miss him. I don't think a very good character were the words that were bandied about. He would have took care of... He was an incredible bastard, a horrible (laughs) monster, (laughs) but he got shit done. I think that's what was actually said. And even then, he got it done because his father was telling him what to do and his uncle was telling him what to do. Left on his own, he was a pretty incompetent king. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It was really basically the man behind everything was was, uh, Tywin. He was the man, and then he, he was the man. Yeah, he was, uh, and not and not all that nice either. Yeah, I guess not. Let's discuss uh, the Bolton uh, scene. As the Bolton scene, they were basically talking about how Stannis is on his way, uh, <laughs> and basically all they have to do is hole up in Winterfell, and they'll be fine because he's not going to be able to breach the walls. Uh, and then Ramsay thinks he's smarter than his dad and says. Give me 20 good men and I'll go take care of them. So we'll see if he gives them 20 good men. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting thing because we have uh, Theon, uh, when he had taken over Winterfell, he actually um, was in trouble too because Bruce Bolton's uh, army, or I should say yeah, basically Ramsay, I think, at that time, uh, surrounded Winterfell. And they had to surrender because they were going to lose supplies and so forth. So I don't think Roos knows what the hell he's talking about, do you? No, I, I I think he does because Theon didn't have an army. Yeah, but they still couldn't get through. So you're saying that if you have an army... I'm saying if you have an army outside and no army inside, you'll get in eventually. But if you have an army inside trying to stop the army on the outside, it'll be okay. But there's more 
uh, people to feed now versus before. True. But I'm guessing from what he said that he thinks he has the supplies to outlast Stannis. Stannis. Because I, I do know, I mean, they went over this a bit when they did the Battle of Blackwater and, you know, that sieges are really, really, really bad. I mean, and even in the modern army, warfare, supply chains are a problem for armies. Right. The difference here is that when they were going to King's Landing, um, that Stannis would have had the entire southern uh, lands to to plunder, to take materials and food, and they would have been cut off. Here, it's now in the north in winter, which, as we know, their winter, their winter can last for years. Even if it's just a normal winter, can last for years, and they'll be stuck in the snow, and they're not going to have the the ready supply. And in their mind, because they're delusional, they're Northmen, and the North will support them and not Stannis. <laughs> um, which it may no, be- to, to be fair, though, Winterfell probably has a lane of supplies, which Stannis does not. Um, and, and trying to gain new supplies is probably something of an issue at this point because, uh, as we find out later in the conversation up north, uh, they're running out of things to hunt. Right. So, so I think, I think he's in a better ground here. And the main thing is to say that, hey, if Stannis gets down there, we should be fine. Now, as we know, nothing on Game of Thrones ever goes as planned. <laughs> so if Stannis makes it down there, then I have a feeling things will go badly for the Boltons. The question is, what exactly is um, Ramsey up to with his twenty men? So what Bad do you think? Things. What do you think it is? All right, because we're only talking twenty men. So he could either go to basically. I, I'm assuming there's a couple things. One, he could go to one of the other houses and try to get them to attack Stannis, assuming they would even listen to a Bolton. Uh, and never mind the fact that they were even kind of wishy-washy when the stocks were with the land, for crying out loud. And then the other thing he could be doing is pretending he is bannerman for Stannis, or we want to join you, Stannis, and not pretend he's Roos Bolton and say that he's Joe Belusky, because, you know, Stannis ain't going to know what this guy looks like. So, <laughs> so and then he's going to go in there as Joe Belusky. And he's going to try to assassinate Stannis. That's a possibility, uh, which seems highly ridiculous because even if he did do that, he could kill himself. <laughs> Sorry. For those, of you, for those of you out there that don't speak Phil, that was Phil's last-minute effort to avoid using the name Joe Blow. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> he just, he's just going to walk up to Stannis and say, Hello, I am the Ponce Lord Belusky. <laughs> Exactly. Might you have anyone I can bugger? <laughs> hey, hey, I'll tell you one thing. When Sam was reading all those names off to Jon Snow for to send it to the you know the notes out with the Raven, Belusky sounded pretty good compared to some of those weird Dinkleberry names. <laughs> so, so, hey, so no, hey. but I think uh, I think that uh, Ramsey is going to go on a mission of sabotage. Uh, if I were asking for only 20 men, my approach would probably be to sneak in the middle of the night, uh, destroy a bunch of supplies, kill some horses, uh, set a few fires, and be on my way. Yeah. Yeah, that that's, sounds legit. Uh, basically, a, a guerrilla strike type of thing, basically, right? 
Because that way, by the time they get to Winterfell, they'll be even worse position for a siege. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Or maybe he's going to take a page out of out of Jamie's uh, Lannister's book and kidnap his daughter. Oh, oh, that's a, uh, that's a good thought, Mike. I didn't think of that one. But, well, know, because I'm so, trying to think like well, Ramsay, that's assuming a, that the witch hasn't sacrificed her by then. Well, because but, I was thinking what I would do is go for the witch. Because without the witch, I think Stannis is screwed. Do they yeah, know but, about the but, witch? But I don't know that they do, though. This is where I want to interject, which is I don't think they know about Stannis having his daughter or wife with him. I don't think they know that the witch is there either. So if that conveniently happens without Bolton getting into the camp and learning who the people are around there, then it would be a little contrived, I think. Well, I think this is, again, uh, sort of like a chess principle, which is if you follow basic strategies and set yourself up in the right positions, good things will reveal themselves. And here, I think Ramsey's goal is probably sort of what Eric is saying, is that we'll, we'll sneak in while they're not paying attention, use subterfuge, and we'll see what presents itself. And certainly, at the very least, we get we kill off some of the horses, we destroy some of their supplies. But I have a feeling, knowing, knowing Ramsey... Um, if of all the possible targets that could present themselves that he would just find delicious, it would probably be the daughter. Oh, oh, I have a question. What happens if you rape somebody with grayscale? Are you using well, a condom? Actually, actually, <laughs> though, actually, though, the, uh, the daughter doesn't have it anymore. She just has the scars and remnants. Are you sure? Well, yeah, because people touch her. Yeah, because you would think she would be quarantined. Okay, all right. I thought she still had it, and they just halted its progress. It's a good question, but then again, she, she touches people, so she can't spread it. I don't think. Okay. Damn. Would that be Would that be a just fate for Ramsay, though? True. Uh, any further things we want to discuss about Winterfell or uh, the, the Sansa storyline as well? Yeah, Winterfell. I like Sansa when she gets fiery. I find her much more palatable. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. She's, I mean, well, then again, I've always liked the character from day one. Uh, yeah, I, well, don't, I don't like Meek Sansa, though. I don't like fawning Sansa. I like fiery Sansa. Well, I don't like fawning Sansa, I, and I don't mind the Meek Sansa. It's the whiny Sansa that I have a problem with. The twat. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I agree. The, 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 the bit of a backbone and spit in your eye Sansa I kind of like. But, yep, okay, I think I'm ready to move on. All right, um, before we move on to one of the new storylines, and we want to go back to the Danny and Tyrion storyline. Uh, my question is, is Tyrion and Danny, they, they had that scene as we discussed, but there was one thing that Tyrion said that was quite interesting, and he said specifically that the Stark family is basically dead, the Lannister family is basically dead, and he said one other family, too, that, that had some issues, but... The, the, basically, what he's he's implying he's is saying that the Game of Thrones for the Starks and the Lannisters is over, in a sense. Would you agree that that's basically what he was implying? And if so, would you guys agree with that? To a certain extent, uh, I mean, the Lannisters are still technically in it. Uh, if you acknowledge the fact that Tommen is actually a Lannister, <laughs> uh, Jamie's not going to take the throne. Uh, Cersei has got herself in some trouble. Uh, yeah. So it could it could be done for them depending on what happens. Well, let's remember what he knows, and he's been out of the loop. So as far as he well, knows, who he, who he, Tyrion. Okay. 
as far as he knows, Tommen is on the throne with his mom and his uncle by his side. Uh, and they're all Lannisters, whatever the official name might be. Um, that the Starks are all dead except for the bastard who's often, you know, exiled to the, the, the wall. Right? Sansa disappeared. Arya disappeared. Uh, Rob Stark is dead. And they, and everyone believes that Bronn and Rickon are dead. Right. So, yeah, you could say the Starks are, are eliminated as far as he would be That's concerned. Right. Yep. Um, and so the real question is the, the wild card uh, would be the Tyrells. And he, you know, does kind of say, well, there's the Tyrells, but, you know, so good luck with that. <laughs> right. Um, because they're in bed with the Lannisters and maybe they go with them, maybe they don't. And, you know, this well, is what he's. To be fair, they've always been looking out for themselves. They're, uh, the only reason they hooked up with the Lannisters was to strengthen their position. And did he say anything about the Martells? He did not. Because they were loyalists to the Targaryens. Okay. And, and I think it's a good chance that, that, yeah, they probably would side with Danny, um, if they wanted to, but I don't know that they were, how heavily involved they were in the fight in the first place. I, I, I think he's got a great point, which is that, you know, if she goes, she's not necessarily going to find the support that, you know, people, people going, oh yes, give us another Targaryen. You know, it's right. the same sort, same sort of feeling you get when you hear people talk about, oh yes, let's have another Clinton Bush election. Yeah. Oh, and there was, uh, there was a great line where he said to Danny, uh, you've ruled here with the support of the, the commoners and not the rich people. How was that? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a great point. Right. And, and to be honest, a lot, a lot of the commoners at this point don't even like her because they don't even want her there. Never mind the fact that, um, she executed that that guy that that killed um, uh, the the other the guy. person. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, the other guy, the other red shirt. So, yeah. So I don't know. All right, I was just curious what you thought because it is what you pretty much say, Mike, which is from season four basically um, ran the game, and then season five is now just shuffling or. or What's the word that you said? Uh, well, they're, they're resetting the dominoes. They're resetting the game board and for the next round. And, you know, I think for me, the big thing with, with that storyline, since we're back there, is everyone said, when the hell is she going to get to Westeros? And she hasn't left yet. I think I think Tyrion is going to be the one to get the ball moving in that direction. Because I think what people have been frustrated with with the Marine storyline is that they're still in fucking Marine. But, but he also could be the one that, to say... You don't want to go over there. Yeah, but this is not a song of of ice and fire probably never meeting and staying on their respective sides of the world. Um, for, it's for not all, the song of ice over here and fire over there. There, for all the logic that there might be to to standing there, she's a person of ambition, and she does believe she has some claim for birthright. On the Iron Throne, and that's not something she's going to give up. And what her plan is, whether it's for the overall good, who knows? Maybe, maybe you're right, Phil. Maybe her plan is to go over there and destroy the Iron Throne and open it up to free and democratic elections for all. Who knows? But she's got a plan that she thinks is going to stop the cycle of violence, and we'll see if that will work or not. Because good intentions can, as we know, come out really, really badly. 
Especially on this show, as we saw yes, with that stock. Especially on this show, yeah. yeah that, that stock learned that one up. Unfortunately. I, I don't know if you learned it. I, I think you yeah. just kind of died. <laughs> no, yeah. he, 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 he learned the lesson. He learned it too late. He's like, all right, in my next life, don't warn the crazy bitch that I'm going to betray her. Yeah. Yeah, just just arrest everybody and and uh, be done. Just, with it. Yes, don't take mercy on the bastard on the bastard children of the uh, crazy queen. king. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now, uh, what, what do you think of uh, one other thing about Tyrion? Uh, don't you think he would want to get back to Tommen and try to save Tommen because he always loved his nephews, or at least that nephew, I should say. And I, uh, I don't think he feels Tommen is in any danger. Oh, all right. That's fair. And he loves Tommen, but I do still think that Tyrion loves Tyrion more, and he's not going to risk his life to do it because he's never going to get close to him. He doesn't know that Jamie's in Dorne. He doesn't know that Cersei's in jail. He doesn't know that uh, that Marjorie's in jail. He doesn't know that Kevin's been pretty much banished. Uh, he has no idea what's going on over there. Fair enough. And we'll we'll learn more uh, as as the episodes uh, follow. So, what scene do, what do we want to talk about now? Do we want to talk about King's Landing, or do we want to talk about uh, Beyond the Wall? Or do, and, well, let's and, talk and about Arya real quick, since that's a kind of a oh, minor one we can get Arya. out of the way. I forgot yep. all about that because that storyline stinks. And then I also forgot about Sam <laughs> uh, and and uh, Gilly and Ollie. Ollie. Yeah. Ollie. So, all right, let's do um, the Arya thing. Yeah. So, Arya, real quick, it's there's nothing major going on here, but we do see that uh, she's taking on an alternate personality at the House of Black and White. She's now known as Lana, and she's come up with this backstory for Lana, who sells uh, oysters. Uh, and basically, the opening scene we get with her in it is her telling her backstory to Jacques and Hagar, who let's remember is a human lie detector and smacks her anytime he knows she's telling a lie um or can tell that she's telling a lie in this case he obviously knows but uh she gets through this whole backstory and really the only time he whacks her is when uh she makes a mistake about the street she turns on so she's getting pretty good this whole uh made up personality thing well do you think she makes a mistake or do you think that she lies deliberately to try to to try to fool him and just can't do it I don't know. It's a good question, Mike. I don't know. Because she remember that's what she did last week or two weeks ago. Right. When she said how, you know, she was running around with Polliver and right. whack. Okay, I was running around with, with Gregor Clegane. You know, she tried throwing I stabbed in him in the back, whack in the stomach. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know, whichever it was, but she's he's just trying to get her to be a better liar. And uh she's getting better at it, and basically he sends her off to the harbor to uh, see what she can see, and she notices this guy basically selling insurance on uh, on ships, uh, denying insurance for a captain who was very upset. Uh, and uh, I'm a little unclear on the reasoning here, um, but for some reason, Jack and Hagar feels that the thing that the house of black and white should do is assassinate this insurance guy. And he pretty much gives, uh, the hit to Lana, AKA Arya. Now, Lana Jablonski. Is it? Yeah, exactly. Um, now this is what I have to ask you, Eric, because this is what I thought was implied was basically what it is, is this guy 
that sells insurance is basically gambling is what Jacquard says on the life Well, of the all captain. insurance is gambling. Well, that's true. So the captain, if he basically what he does is he takes this insurance out with this guy and if he comes back, the insurance, you know, he doesn't get paid out. But if he dies or never comes back, then this insurer guy then pays out money to the f- widow right. and the children. Basically, of the life widow. insurance. So yeah, exactly. So life insurance. So in other words, if uh, the captain dies, then his family will still be taken care of by this insurance. However, it appears based off of the story, he hasn't been doing this. In other words, he would instead keep the money and never give the life insurance to the families. And it even may have been implied that he may have murdered various families so he doesn't have to pay them when the captain is, you know, never returns in the start. Oh, I missed that. I missed that. If that yeah, because he's, he's saying I have to, he refuses the one sailor, the one captain to retake, uh-huh. to take his thing. And he's saying, but I have children because I guess he just figures he's a bad bet. But right, they do say something about him not paying it off. And uh, this is why we need the Targaryens in charge so that we can eventually just switch over to Danny Care. <laughs> so my, my another thing that I got implied, and I don't know if I'm right on this either, Mike, but it was implied that maybe one of the widows came to the house and hired the house to kill this guy too. Am I right in that, or is that just a uh, something that I got? I'm thinking that even I read I, something about that today online. That that okay. is my supposition. I don't know if, and I also don't know if it's a hiring thing. I don't know how this all works. So, but they do look over at the person kneeling on the floor, right? Yes. That's now right. I'm wondering: is it possible? See, I don't know how to how, how they get this. I mean, is, is that person going to become a sacrifice to the many faced god? Are they going to end up in the wall of faces? Who knows? Well, Oh, I see. So the payment may be to death. Uh, that's well, it could be could be her fate. Well, a life for a life, right? Isn't that maybe? Oh, yeah, but that makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't because you figure that they still have children. So why would they want to have their children become orphans? Yeah. But again, this is the Game of Thrones, and people don't think correctly. <laughs> in many cases. Yeah, they may not sure. be doing it for the most moral reasons. They're not necessarily doing it because of justice. They may just be doing it because somebody asked them to do it. Or um, just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much that storyline. Uh, so it really has nothing to do with the major theme of the throne itself or the, or the worries of the world like the others and whites and all that stuff that we'll be discussing shortly. But it also could be something interesting in the Arya storyline where maybe <laughs> she <laughs> determines that, well, maybe she isn't. Um, I mean, basically what they're... And it was kind of alluded to earlier was that since the Tyrell banker is heading over to the city with the head of the Kingsguard... And the King's Guard is one of the people that she wants to kill. She may kill this King's Guard guy when they get there, and then she'll screw up everything because suddenly she's Arya Stark again because she wanted to kill the King's Guard when that wasn't part of the plan. Hmm. Is my guess, but I don't know. Well, we'll find out because the, uh, the waif at the temple doesn't think she's ready. The great Bill Belichick line, which is, it is what it is. <laughs> 
Um, now, Eric, what were you laughing about? I was laughing because uh, they're staying pretty true to the books in this regard, which is they're taking forever to set up this whole thing with Arya, and it still hasn't gone anywhere. Well, I think it's gone somewhere. They again, they're oh yeah, but nobody, no, nowhere particularly interesting. That's well, true. this is if you take all the Arya stuff from this season. Oh, do you think maybe if you got what maybe thirty minutes? Yeah, that's too long. Well, I'm saying, but this is this is this is you know this is the Karate Kid moment. This is her doing her learning how to wax on, wax off, and now she's going off for her test run, her first <laughs> yeah, trial by wax off. She's 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 but getting right. her first trial right. with her we're first learning, hit. We're learning about oysters and, and and life insurance. And vinegar. I don't care about those things. But that's not what we're learning about, Phil. Well, <laughs> she's being sent. She that's that's the irrelevant stuff. It's she's being sent out to kill her first person. Well, right. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's truly what it is. But it's just boring. It's just- no, that's uh, that. That's why I was laughing. Is just because the books also take forever to get to the point with the horror aria thing, and they still really haven't. So, but I don't think it would be true to the the thing that they set up, and you could argue this, if it was like, oh, hi, Arya, welcome aboard, sure, come on in, here's a dagger, go stab whoever you want. I don't think that... <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. Let me ask you this, if if this show ends, you know, whenever the final episode is, and all she's done is killed Cersei's as vengeance, then it was completely a waste of time, the whole Arya storyline, because it's boring as hell, and it has nothing to do with the Game of Thrones, except that she kills... I mean, it's almost like a Gollum moment where it's when they could have just had anybody kill Cersei's. I don't know. I I like I like the basic character of Arya. I really do. I don't find this whole House of Black and White thing particularly intriguing. Uh, I want to see her complete her training and get back to being Arya because I liked Arya. Right. This is really if we if we could we'd do like the eighties mon- music montage. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Right. <laughs> and just... Somebody has to do that! Somebody has to take Zarya's stuff and put it to 80s music. But we we can't do that because we need to eventually have her step out as 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 the faceless yeah, when assassin. When it's all said and done, oh, please, God, anybody listening to this, when the Arya thing is all said and done, somebody please make an 80s montage. Right. We're trusting at this point that... Or maybe we're not. I am. I'm trusting at this point that there is a plan for Arya, and this has all been leading. Yes, it's been it's been it's a long and slow build, and and I think this is building towards that. I think we're in the final stretch, sort of now, right? Because we've had four seasons of her water dancing and chasing cats in King's Landing, and waiting on on uh, Tywin and running around with the Hound and the Brother Without Banners, and finally she's in the point where she's on the verge of gaining the, the skills and talents oh, and, and abilities. And Hop High. And to go and kill the people that she wants to kill. And I think we're really close. I understand you know, that the most frustrating part is right before you know, the moment of release, right? And it's... <laughs> You just want it to end, and they're just dragging it out, and it's like, let go! Oh, you know, it's kill somebody, but uh, okay. it's been building and building, and so we're at this point. But I have a feeling that when we get to that point, you know, it's it's 
the the payoff will be worth it. But this has been four years in the making, kind of. And I don't think another episode or two are waiting. Now, I don't want to continue to her. If she's still washing feet in season six, <laughs> I'm going to be doing I at least want her. I want this all done this season. She doesn't have to necessarily come out as a kick-ass assassin, you know, at the end, you know, at the end of the season in terms of like she's assassinated 43 different people. But I want her training done. I oh, want her out. All I want is her and the hound back because at least that was a good storyline. <laughs> and, and to be honest, uh, Arya Stark is the is the character we, we love. We don't love the girl with no name. True, that, and that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Right. Yes. Yes. All right. So I guess we're done with with that storyline, right? Yes. And that took just, longer than I anticipated. Yes, it most certainly did. So hopefully the Sam storyline won't be as long. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Sam and Ollie talk. Ollie says he doesn't trust the wildlings. Sam says you don't have to trust the wildlings. We all need to work together. Next. Uh, except I'm just curious how Ollie takes his advice at the end. <laughs> it's very ambiguous. Well, yeah. because he tells Ollie that sometimes a man's got to do what he thinks is right, no matter what anyone else thinks. Yeah. And and the question is, Sam is trying to say, John John's has to do, do what John's got to do. And Ollie's thinking, maybe Ollie's got to do what Ollie's got to do. Exactly. Damn and, right. And <laughs> does that mean Ollie's now going to betray John? Or is Ollie, so, right. No, and he's, we, no, and, he's, not, he's not going to betray John. He's going to avenge his parents. There's a difference. <laughs> Depends on how you look at things. Exactly. Well, since it's not the games of Ollie, I'll, I'm saying he's going to betray John. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But I think you can, again, you can make an argument either way. And this is Game of Thrones, so it could go either way. All right, now, moving on to King's Landing. King's Landing! Oh, yes! <laughs> we get to see Cersei miserable in her prison cell. Yes! Uh, the evil nun is sitting there uh, offering her water if she'll confess, but she won't confess, so she just smacks her with the ladle! Ha! Take that! <gasps> Um, and uh, yeah. not, somewhat, somewhat reminiscent of Jakan Hagar and, and Arya. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, answers you won't confess. Uh, and at one point, uh, well, crap, I always forget that character's name. Kyburn. Thank you. Kyburn. Uh, Kyburn comes to tell her about some stuff going on and says that, uh, Kevin has been summoned to be the hand of the king. Um, and Cersei still won't confess, even though Kyburn kind of tries to push her in that direction. Uh, and so then the evil nun comes back and says, confess. And she says, no. And the nun says, whack. Uh, and then she dumps the water on the floor and walks out. And then the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, Cersei fucking lapping up the water off the dirt floor in the prison. Yeah, suck it, bitch. Take it. That's what you deserve. Now, let me ask you this um, about the nun and her the way she does things. Uh, th- there's one thing to put someone on trial and show um, the evidence. It is another thing to basically torture someone and say, confess. And if you say no, you get punched in the head. Or confess, and if you say no, then yeah. uh, they don't feed you food. I mean, no, I mean... 
I want to put this in the real world for a second. Well, this is basically whether, whether the Spanish you, Inquisition is what's whether, going on here. Whether you like, well, that, that's partly true. Absolutely. Another. But let's all, let's let's be fair. She's not out. saying she's I'm not good. saying confess. No, she's saying confess. Fuck you! I'm going to kill you. I'm going to come up with the most torturous way to make you die. You know, it's the, she's threatening her. So the, the the example I was going to use was John McCain. Whether you like him or not, as a senator or politician, but when he was captured by the North Vietnamese, they tried to have him uh, say basically public announcement agreement saying that the United States was wrong. And he refused. And every time they refused, he would be tortured. Uh, this is significantly different in a couple of ways, Phil. Uh, one, uh, that was not religiously based. Uh, and number two, Cersei's actually fucking guilty. But again, that's why I brought, I, I brought up the point of sh- going to trial and showing evidence versus trying to force someone to do something by basically... Uh, inhumane uh, things, and and that's my point. Whether she's guilty or not, whether it's religious or not, the point is is that they're basically threatening her with violence and with uh, no food or water to say, "Okay, I'm guilty." And I think that I think this is the reason why I'm actually now supporting the Cersei's character, no matter how Cersei, no matter how despicable of a character she is in the show. Never mind in the books where she's even worse, but. She is being tortured. No, 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 Phil. You're looking at this all wrong. Here's the deal. Cersei is the one that put this whole thing in motion. First of all, she's guilty of everything she's being charged with. She's had three children as the product of incest with her brother. Uh, she had sex with her cousin. She murdered her own husband, the king, or had him murdered. Uh... She's she's guilty of everything that they're accusing her of. But the way uh, they're going about trying to get her... Is- no, no, no. You didn't let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. And she is the one that put these people in power because she was trying to selfishly keep power for herself. And it backfired on her. She would not be in prison had she not handed the sparrows the keys to the kingdom. And she, she put was- this in motion. She has everything that's coming to her. And she was perfectly happy to let this happen to lots of other people. But again, she this, had this is the she had the, no she the had no into Axis in World War Two, where after the the Japanese or specifically the, the Germans surrendered, they were put on trial and and they had uh, they but, weren't systematically shot against the wall like Stalin. But but Phil, you're not going to find me feeling too badly when Himmler gets arrested by the SS. <laughs> right i mean that's basically what happened here she put this all in motion she turned people over to them i have no reason to believe that whatever is happening to her wasn't happening to uh marjorie, marjorie. or to to uh lance uh not lance uh loris loris right now i'm also going to say that probably marjorie handled herself a little better and She's she's what's being she's being a bad prisoner. She's a bad prisoner. Bad she's, bad she's, prisoner. She's lashing out at Drink the your at water the, off the floor. At the nun with the water. I don't know. Maybe Marjorie would say, "Oh, thank you for the water." I don't know exactly. <laughs> right, but but that's not right either because it uh, you know, and you've read the book too, Eric, and it's probably seen the movie, um, uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the end scene where spoiler alert uh, the. the the news reporter, Bloomquist, is, is 
locked up by the serial killer, and the serial killer treats him nicely, and he says, thank you, and he goes, see, when this is what I'm trying to say. You're all pathetic. When I treat you nicely, you, you begin to be kind back to me because you hope I'll let you go rather than lashing out. And so mm-hmm. why should you – Why? I mean, whether you lash out or you say thank you, you're you're being basically. But she's being your your, your, your jailer. She she's is reaping sh- what she sowed, and she's being strident and defiant, not because they're bad people who are doing bad things to people who don't deserve it to them. She's being strident and defiant because fuck you, I'm better than you are. You're nothing. You and have I no should right to be held to the same standards as everybody else. Yeah, it's I am above you, you little insect. She is doing it with the most supreme arrogance. She then that's her problem. She's an arrogant twat. Yes, yes, she is. Hey, I'm not. I'm not saying I like the character. I've, I've hated this character probably as much as Eric from you know the beginning of the show. But the and way- Phil, to be clear, to be clear, I am not pro Sparrow. Okay, you're right. They're dicks. <laughs> they are not nice people, and what they're doing is not right. But Cersei has it coming. Well, I, I can see that. You're right. She she definitely got in, in so many words what she deserved. But my problem is is that the Sparrow, in my eyes, and all his people, in my eyes, including the the warrior nun and all those other people, are as evil, and in my opinion, I hope Cersei gets out and executes them all. No, no, no. Cersei needs to go down first, and then the sparrows need to get their just desserts. No, I think yeah, I think you're putting your chips on the wrong person. I want Marjorie to get out, yes, and execute them all. Absolutely, but but because Marjorie is really the one who's being wronged here, as right. is Loras, the one being wronged here. Even if they've technically committed the crimes that they committed, plus um, even if Marjorie's found guilty, uh, I well, you know what? I I shouldn't speak out of turn because I don't know. Maybe the religious kooks see all sins as being equal, so all punishment is the same. But a rational person would say that perjury isn't necessarily as big of a sin as uh, I don't know incest or murder or treason. Or treason, right? Right. It's perjury in defense of another. So perhaps Marjorie will be smart enough to confess to her uh, lesser crime and get out of the situation and be back to being the queen, uh, at which point uh, she might be able to turn things around. Well, Well, personally, though, I don't think any of them should have to confess anything, and they should just go fuck off. So I think Cersei. You, you just don't do like that. it. Well, Cer- well, Cersei. Cersei needs to. Cersei needed to be held accountable. You don't like who's doing it, well, right? Exactly. And I don't think uh, Marjorie should have to confess either because it's like fuck you. Who are these people? These people are assholes. So, but, so if this was a court of law yeah. rather than religious people doing this, would it be different? Well, uh, well, it, 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 yes, it would be different, but also the crimes and what they are because Laura shouldn't even be in jail in the first place. That's ridiculous. So Marjorie shouldn't have even been in Well, that. it's ridiculous for 21st century America. Homosexuality has not always been smiled upon. People have been executed for it in our history. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, I mean, you're it's a, in a weird way. This reminds me, um, 
I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying it happened. Right, yeah. but when you but like when you had uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go political again here. Um, whatever you thought of the actual issue, uh, when when Bill Clinton got called in on oath and lied under oath about his affair, right? And people said, "Well, they never should have been asking about it. They never should have gone there." You know, and that was all nonsense. The reason that there was a law that said that in the case of a sex, an issue of sexual harassment, you are allowed to ask about the accused past and, uh, and other sexual affairs. Right. And the thing is, that was the law that was pushed by the Democrats and signed into law by Bill Clinton. Right. So he was getting hoisted on their own law that they had for their own political purposes, kind of push forward well and, and in and this every, case everybody everybody forgets the reason he was even asking being asked those questions was because he was blanking uh, an intern it well, he was being no, sued no, no no he was being sued for sexually harassing an, another woman and so that therefore those questions were asked and everybody forgets that's why it had nothing to do with with uh Lewinsky. Lewinsky was just a side effect the main thing was is that he at least uh, allegedly, sexually harassed a couple of uh, individuals, including politicians. And, and it was the law that he and he got and he got nailed on the law that he signed and that he helped push for. And this is the, sort of the same thing. Cersei's getting nailed because she never, in her mom, in her wildest dreams, believed that the the things that she was pushing for could boomerang back and hurt her. Right. And and she can't get get her way out of it. And now. And again, it's not necessarily a matter of whether you like that issue or not or how what side you're on. It's a case of a person being hoisted on their own petard, and that's exactly what's happening to Cersei. <laughs> you said petard. Okay, yeah, we're going to bugger the Ponce's petard, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and that's it. That's what's going on. You don't have to like who's doing it, but she did it. And I'm really looking forward to the next episode where my understanding is that uh, they're just going to have the trial and sentence all three of them, and they're going to take uh, uh, Loris and Marjorie and Cersei and turn them all into a human centipede. That's that's my understanding. Oh, good boy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But one of the interesting things is is that we discussed was Kevin Lannister is now the hand of the king. So that's interesting. And- oh, he's going to be the hand of the king. He has to be present for that to happen. I thought I thought he was already named the hand of the king, Quaalude or whatever. They said they're bringing him back to be the hand of the king. He oh, can't really he, be th- the hand th- of the king from over there. I thought he was already back. Uh, yeah, maybe he's it, already back because is he uh, already back? I thought yes, he was being yeah, because, summoned. No, Cersei's asked, "Well, have him see me," and he goes, "He doesn't want to see you." And then he goes, "Well, gotta have my son then." Oh, I missed that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's already back, and he's already the hand of the king. <laughs> you remember, remember when you were a dick to him before? Yeah, he doesn't want to see you. Yeah, <laughs> Um, the other See, she's thing, reaping what she sowed. No, but she's got what she's got a wild card. Cersei, she's got it all coming. She's got some. She's going to be avenged, and I'll tell you why. Because Quaalude Frank and Gregor, exactly. You got it, Frank the mountain, and Mountain. The mountain's <laughs> coming back, and he's going to take them all out. Well, here's, my qu- here's my question. The Daisy kind of named named uh, Gregor. <laughs> well, right. First of all, I, I the, the only way she's getting out of this, unless somebody saves her, um, I think with her life intact, is if she confesses. But I'm, um, 
and I don't know how that happens unless she does it just in completely insincerely to save her life. Um, what do you think is the deal? Because they've had uh, Franken Mountain in the background now as a as a story that would be so easy to miss. And he does make sure he says, and the work continues. They didn't have to say that. Yeah. He didn't have to come out and say that. Well, let me say what? this. If, if Frank and Gregor is in the books, I missed it. <laughs> what is her long... Why is she so obsessed with Frank and Gregor? Right? With getting the mountain back or resurrecting him. And I'm because, just trying... I'll go ahead. Because Gregor, specifically in the books, and, and a little bit seen in at least the show, was... Basically, the Lannisters, uh, champion, number one man, to completely loyal, did anything and everything that they asked. And so, he, being who he is, being one of the greatest fighters in Westeros, he being- Was so he the greatest really, fighter or was he just really, really big? It doesn't matter. Shaquille O'Neal was really, really big, <laughs> but he's considered one of the best <laughs> basketball players ever just for the fact that he locked out and was big. Fair play. But, Yes. So being very loyal and being a great fighter, uh, he is her hope. I think you see what I'm saying, Mike. In other words, having him is like having a um, mountain cannon. smash pigeon. Is like having a sorry sparrow, uh, wrong bird. Uh, is like having Marshall for Eisenhower, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Or, or, yeah, so you don't think that she's hoping to bring anybody else back by any chance? Uh, huh? Like Tywin? No. She oh, God, no. Uh, Joffrey? <laughs> it's her beloved little boy. Oh, God. So Frank say, and Joffrey. So you, oh, so my God. That, I could have nightmares. Hey, hey, we, <laughs> we, we should appreciate Joffrey now that he's gone. No, no, we shouldn't. No. I appreciate so, him now that he's dead. So, so <laughs> because Mike, he's dead. So, Mike, you think it has nothing to do with with the fact that who the mountain is, but you think it's more the act. Well, I'm curious. What is her? Because if why is it brought up now? Because that would imply that this isn't just him playing around for funsies. I think it's brought right. up because he's implying, since especially now that she says no, I'm not going to confess. Well, we have this wild card, which is the mountain's going to go mountain. Yeah, I'm just wondering if this is if there if there is a longer term plan for this besides just bringing back the mountain. That's that's the only thing I'm wondering because I don't see what the big deal to her is that she brings back the mountain because she's too arrogant to assume that she ever needs anybody who's not another Lannister. Yeah, and even I then she's yeah, but you got a mistake that you keep on forgetting. And if in the books, I think it portrays it much better. Uh, the mountain was a de facto Lannister. Yeah, I understand that, but I don't know that she cared about the mountain enough to care if he comes back or not. <laughs> right. I, I agree. With, I don't think she cares about anybody personally. She's a sociopath. But I think she, the mountain's important to her because that's her vengeance card. That's her freedom but card. But she didn't need one until now. This is something that's been going on uh, since uh, last I season. But, well, it's like, why does the Iranians want the nuke? Even though I don't, I don't believe they do. But... Some people think that, and so why would you want it to keep people scared of you? And and this is what I'm thinking it is. If she has the mountain back, it's just another thing in her pocket when she was ruling the kingdom. 
as the de facto hand. Okay, I was just wondering if if anyone has any idea what, if there's a long term plan to this or just she wants it because that's what she wants. I Meaning, was there anything more to it than what we've known than what we we've are implying so far? No, nah, it's just you know we we just want more nukes. Okay, another nuke, and and the and Gregor is a our nuke. Person. All right, that's all. All right, so all right, so that's your opinion, Eric. I lost you when he started talking about politics. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair All right. So uh, that that pretty much wraps up the episode, right? Well, let me let me ask. <laughs> right, before we get into the the, uh, the last uh, one minute of importance, um, no, no, serious note, uh, Eric. I, I this is what we asked. What was Cersei's plan prior to going to jail for the use of Gregor Clegane? coming back what why did i i, I don't know I, I told you if that was in the books i don't remember that, it i that's, don't have the answer that, that's not what i'm asking i'm asking what's your opinion what do you think she was up to she's fucking crazy that's a good answer yeah, right. <laughs> we have a winner <laughs> yeah all right so that that's good yeah now let's remember um are we going to jump now to the wall the north of the wall yeah north of the wall we can do that yeah. Yeah, let's I was do say, that. Because do you, do you remember the ominous words that's, that were spoken by Samuel Tarley when that scene ended? No. John always comes back. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, that could be taken in more than one way, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of ringing in my ears as we were watching what was about to unfold next. Yes, 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 yes. So, so Eric, we get, happened? uh, we get John going to Hardhome up north, which is where all the wildlings are. Uh, he's with Giant Spain. Uh, and he, his mission is to bring them back, uh, and convince them to come south of the wall to fight the White Walkers with the Night's Watch. Um, they're none too happy to see him. Um, but Giant Spain pretty much smooth things over and gets at least a partial agreement for some of them to come back. Uh, I gotta say, there was a point in this thing where I was just like, oh god, John, what are you doing? Uh, when <laughs> he brings up Mance Raider, uh, and how Mance Raider just wanted a better life for everybody, and uh, they're like, yeah, how'd Mance die? Uh, and his answer is, I put an arrow through his heart. John, buddy, oh my god. You need you need some uh, you need some public speaking courses. Uh, that is the incorrect answer. The correct answer is he was being burned alive by King Stannis, and I put him out of his misery. That is the correct answer. You lost this round of Jeopardy. But I also think his first instinct is the right one. If he worded it poorly, which is that he tell the truth. Which is to tell the truth because if he yeah. if, if he if he made any attempt to bullshit these people. He would have completely undermined his position and his offer. Well, no, but he could tell the truth and still make it sound better than I put oh, an absolute, arrow through absolutely. his heart. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he wait, 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 wait. Can I, can I, can I add some context? Uh, yeah, yeah. You got to add the con on, on something like that. They're going to start listening with the context with, and then yeah. finish up with I put an arrow through his heart. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking is he just didn't believe they would buy such a story, so he just said just came out and said i shot him i mean he wasn't going to say oh we burned him and or whatever he so he just said i shot him in other words he's taking full responsibility like he's ned stock would have uh, yeah he is and, 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 
And he does have Leon Redbeard there to stand up and say what actually happened. Yeah, right. Giants being pulled his ass out of the fire on that one. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the two of them, uh, they go through this back and forth and this whole speech, this whole tense moment, and basically, uh, the wildling hot chick, um, says, well, Giants being, she says, I'll never trust a man in black, but Giants being you, I trust. So if you say this is the way, we're with you. And he says, this is the way. So a whole bunch of them start to follow, uh, and get on the boats to go back to, uh, Castle Black when dun 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 winter is coming winter and at here. first this scene was you, so fucking awesome this now, is the most awesome thing I've ever seen in my entire life sorry wait a minute wait a minute more awesome than, than the Doof Warrior uh what's a, what's a Doof Warrior? yeah what's you're a, pretty that's a good point what's a Doof Warrior the two warriors, the dude with the uh, electric guitar that shoots fire in uh, Mad Max. Oh, oh. What, what about uh, the sand snake in the prison? What? No, 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 no. No, We've this seen is boobs more before. Awesome. Yeah, boobs are all over the place, Phil. You need to get over it. Fair enough. But yeah, there's there's seven billion boobs on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, well, holy technically, shit! Actually, add a few people to that. And say they're <laughs> no, but uh, as they're getting on the boats, all of a sudden, in the distance, uh, th- those are avalanches that were happening, right? Well, that's what I thought at first. Yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on. Something happens. There's a big rumbling. It looks like avalanches. Basically, clouds of snow happening in the background. Very ominous. They're like, what the hell's going on? Uh, so they close the gate uh, and then uh, full on onslaught from the White Walkers happens. Uh, first off, a couple of things I want to bring up. One is we meet a couple of quote-unquote leaders of the Wildlings, which is, like you said, the the woman, and then a Finn that seemed like he's pretty much a big lieutenant general type guy too. And then a giant, he's in the room, and he's he seems like he's a, a big shot. And then the other thing that you you didn't mention, Eric, was when we see these rumblings and they shut the gates... They don't just shut the gates, but they shut the gates and leave half the wildlings on the other side of the wall. In other That's words, true. That's true. Yep. Might me might not be the best plan, as we'll find out later. Right. Well, and, and it's kind of heartless to it when you think about it. True. Uh, well, they. Did, <clears throat> but it was shut the door or we all die. You know, that's that's we've seen that sort of scenario before in various media. Godzilla. You know, it's, but they did Godzilla. anyway, Mike. They did anyway, because anybody who was on the ships escaping, they were already on the ships and escaped. So everybody else got wiped out, right? Uh, I think a few more well, got away. Yeah, they, they, they slowed it down enough. And they could maybe could have held them open for a few more seconds, but it was only a few more seconds at most. The the people who, you know, they, they were doing what they could, and they didn't know that everybody was going to be dead by the time the credits rolled. True. They did not know that. So, yeah, basically, um, it's a white invasion with wildling lieutenants uh, falling behind. Or, and I, this is I, basically... I, 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 white Walker tenants falling behind. This is basically uh, 28 Days Later meets uh, Army of Darkness meets Lord of the Rings. 
And and if Bar- and if Bruce Campbell was there, they would have won. Exactly. <laughs> so expecting him to say, "This is my boomstick," you know? Nope, didn't happen. Oh, but this is seriously one of the most awesome things I've ever seen. Uh, I I texted the comment to Mike and Phil while it was happening that this is better than the entire series of The Walking Dead. Because <laughs> yeah. man, was this fight scene awesome! It was. It was. It was a. Uh... Quite impressive, uh, and it was odd too because, uh, in all honesty, there's only one, uh, well, two actually, two important people in, or of the main cast, I guess, which is Jon Snow and Giants Bane, uh, a couple of other various crows that we know of, um, but that's it. And so it was odd because usually when we've seen scenes like this, like a lot of main characters in it, and yet it was still as suspenseful even if we weren't too worried about who was going to get croaked or not. Well, and, you know, I heard they were going to use some digital effects here, but it wasn't practical. <laughs> get it? See what oh! I did there? Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, he, Eric was holding that one for, for weeks trying to figure out what I, I thought of it about ten minutes before we got online. <laughs> You'll you have to reuse that during a... The Poltergeist episode coming up. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a very important plot point here, uh, which is that they had brought Dragon Glass to the Wildlings as a kind of a peace offering, saying, hey, you can kill White Walkers with these. Um, and at one point, Jon Snow goes to try and retrieve the Dragon Glass to kill some of these White Walkers uh, and gets into the fight with one of the, I, I think of them in my head as the Four Horsemen. I don't know what they're actually called. Um, but they're clearly leaders of the White Walkers that ride around on dead horses. Um, and he gets into a fight with one of these guys uh, and is pretty much getting his ass kicked. Because um, we've seen before, if you just if you try and fight the White Walkers, your sword shatters into a thousand little ice pieces. Uh, but at one point, he retrieves his sword, uh, and it does not shatter. And he is able to defeat one of these, and the thing shatters into ice pieces. And that is because his blade is made of Valerian steel, a.k.a. dragon steel. And you know what else? Oh, go ahead. So I was just going to point out that the White Walkers are vulnerable to dragon glass and dragon steel. So what might be useful when fighting White Walkers? Dragons. Dragons, yes. But, but that Phil's trying to keep locked up in Essos. Well, <laughs> well, to be honest, calling something uh, dragon doesn't necessarily mean it's directly related to dragons. Well, no. Well, I think in this case it is actually because I believe the dragon's breath is uh, what created the glass and what was used in forging that steel. Well, we know that obsidian can be created without dragons because we have it. That's right. Um, well, yeah, but I think this particular obsidian was created by dragon breath. Right, with True. with Valerian Steel, and this is where uh, anyone who's either read the books or uh, done some research online, as I did, you, 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 that it's something that was made by uh, the old Valerians and that it, the dragons were used to help make the Valerian Steel. But the main thing is that we've known from the series for a while is that Valerian Steel is supposed to be awesome steel that we've lost the ability to make. Right. And there's only a handful of weapons, and they made a that that are still made out of it, and they made a big deal out of it uh, in season four, which 
I don't know if it's the first episode or the second episode. It opens up with them first taking episode. taking Ned Stark's old sword, mm-hmm. which was which was made out of Valyrian steel, and reforging it into two separate blades. Uh, Widow's Whale Jamie and Brienne. No, no. Uh, what? Jo- uh, Brienne's was the one Jamie had, and then. Oh, you're uh, right. You're uh, right. Uh, other one was buried with Joffrey, I think. Yes. Oh, what a Brienne waste. has Joffrey's sword, which was uh, a dead Brienne has, has, has one of the Valyrian seal swords. Right, dead fucker has one sword. Uh, the, the, that that would be a good name for a sword, but that actually happens to be. <laughs> 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 but it was it was Widow's Whale. Although I think more appropriately, it should be called uh, Pigeon Killer. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Because yeah, all it ever got used to do was kill pigeons in the pie, or maybe maybe pie cutter. We could go with that one. Right. Um, well, and then the other was Oathkeeper, which is the one that Brienne has. Right. Thank you for correcting me on that. I forgot yeah. that uh, that he handed that over. But again, they 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 really they no point in this in uh, the season have they mentioned that this was made out of Valyrian steel sword in the episode. You don't have that moment where oh my god, I killed him. It must be vulnerable to Valyrian steel. No, but there's oh, a, there's a there's a neat sound effect and a meaningful look in between John and the White Walker when that occurs. Yeah, yeah. Well, well there's there's even a look on John's face when he blocks uh, blocks the weapon in the first place because he's well, expecting his sword to about. shatter. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Well, there's, two, there's two things of interest, which is one, we all stopped when we were watching this, probably saying. How could he do this unless Jon Snow is magical or special? But then, thing is, is we both, we all probably came, at least I did, to the conclusion that said, oh yeah, that's right, that's a, that's a, uh, Valyrian steel sword, because that's the sword that he got from Jorah's father. Right. And, uh, it's also, it was also fairly easy to come to that conclusion in the sense in this, earlier in the same fight, he had used a different weapon which had shattered instantly. As did the Finn as well. Yeah. The Finn leader, he got, uh, it, he, he got had an axe, and his axe shattered uh, as well. And another thing that we got to notice too about all this is, as long as you have an obsidian weapon or a uh, Valyrian steel weapon, the White, White Walkers are, are wimps because they can't fight. I mean, he, after he got, his they pop weapon, like bubbles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because because they can't they can't parry, they can't do anything. They just they're just brute force weapons. So really what they need to do is start hauling wheelbarrows full of sand in front of the dragons that Danny's got locked up in the temple uh, and start mass producing dragon glass weapons. Yeah, but you know, at this point, this is after the humans have to unite first, because at this point, Daenerys doesn't (laughs) even know about the white. It was was a joke, Phil. It was a joke. Yeah, fair enough. But it's a good idea. I would, I would do it. Yeah. And, and really, and really, if we're going to get Danny and the dragons involved, just fly the things up there and have them breathe on the White Walkers. That would really be much more efficient. Now, this is this is the joke uh, that we discussed online, but uh, it could be fair, which is simply maybe the White Walkers aren't bad folk. Maybe they're just misunderstood. I think this changes that completely. <laughs> but but that's not true. Maybe the humans were, were were bad. Like you know, they they attacked the environment and did all these terrible things. And the White Walkers are just trying to get rid of the humans out of the way because they're just you know. <laughs> I think your theory is far fetched at best. Um, so, so do we do we believe that the White Walkers are a force of demonic evil, or are they just a uh, a terrorizing 
They're definitely not a force for no. good. Or are they just barbarians that are coming down? What, what's your opinion, Mike? Are they barbarians or are they evil demonic things? They, they certainly seem to be far more on the evil demonic side. We, I don't know that we're going to get a whole lot of backstory, ex- backstory about what their motives are because this seems to be the the great alien evil this is the um these are this is like the aliens in independence day is that they're just coming to here to kick our ass and we don't really care why it's that however bad everybody else in the world is they're human and we can identify with them and you know at the very least they probably love their children <clears throat> these things are just pure black evil uh with you know, like I said, a demonic force. I don't think that we're going to get any any nuance or salty out of this. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll have tea time with the Night King. Who knows? <laughs> uh, or you well, know what? Maybe maybe he'll say, hey, you know, maybe he'll uh, headhunt uh, Tyrion, right? He'll 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 steal him from Danny and say, hey, I need a good advisor. Come on over to my side. <laughs> No, but uh, I want to point out that were, there were two specifically, uh, aside from the one with John that we just mentioned, there were two specifically uh, awesome moments at, during this last scene of the fighting here. Uh, actually, there were more than two. But I'm going to mention three. Uh, first being when the giant gets involved in the fighting. Uh, <laughs> watching the giant stomp around uh, just kind of not strategically at all and just being kind of a big thing uh stomping around was kind of awesome uh i i found his lack of strategy amusing uh because he's just pretty much stomping on one here throwing one over there uh another awesome moment was that the wildling chick uh was kicking ass in her own right until she was faced with a bunch of white walker children and she couldn't bring herself to kill the White Walker children, even though they were clearly not alive anymore. She uh, deserved pretty face. skeletal. She's stupid. She deserved a face. So yeah, she she goes down. Uh, and then, uh, well, what that made me think of was uh, you know the, the the classic horror film uh, Who Could Kill a Child or right. the re- or the remake come out and play. And uh, to which my answer has always been. Uh, who could kill a child? Um, um, me. I could do it. Right here. Any school teacher. Yeah. I'll do it. No problem. I've got no problem killing a child. And you know what? Know what kind of child I have absolutely no trouble killing? Creepy dead ones. Right. <laughs> right. And, and the other thing that pissed me off, <sighs> too, was that she let herself be killed by them because she couldn't kill them even though they're dead, which makes no sense that she wouldn't want to kill them. But by doing that, she just made all her children orphans. Yeah. Total stupid woman. It was irresponsible, but yeah. uh, hey, you know, I guess none of us know how we'll react when presented with zombie children. I think, like Mike said, I'm, I'm with Mike. I, I, I'm with Mike, too, but you know I'm what? Thinking, I'm thinking, they're little. I could take those. The adults, I might, run, <laughs> I might try to run away. I'm fat. I'm not getting very far. I'll get like four steps. I'll be <gasps> winded and out of breath. Oh, my God. But, you know, the little ones, I can take the little fuckers. And the right? good thing is, if you get bit by them, you don't get turned. It's not like real. Right. Yeah, I, and, and by the way, that, the one, one zombie kid was so damn creepy. Yeah, right. seriously creepy. It was like skin and bones. That, that's yeah, yeah. like one, that's, that's gotta be More one of my top ten skin. creepy, yeah. Oh, gotta be one of my top ten creepy zombies ever. Oh, absolutely. 
Um, and then, well, technically, for- Mike, you're wrong. They're not zombies. They're whites. Right, but well, they're zombies. Whatever. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, everybody else is going to call them zombies. Tomato, tomato. Actually, they're uh, really ghouls. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, sorry. Okay, so so uh, then there's the most awesome moment in the entire episode right at the end, uh, which is that pretty much everybody that it, like John and the crew make it to their boats. Oh no, and, you, gotta, you know we bring that one up, Eric. You have to bring up the one about the the all the the whites that fell off the cliff. Uh, oh god, well, I don't. But you just did. That's an awesome one. Okay, talk That's about it. it. Oh, all right. Uh, so basically, all these whites are at the top of one of the ledges, and they jump off, and uh, you know, to fall on the other side of the, the barrier, I guess, to where John and all the rest are. So you think they're all dead? So there's thousands of. Them. But there's already they're already dead. <laughs> That's right. But we think they're shattered and destroyed or whatever because they just fell, you know, a hundred yards or whatever it is. But they're not. So maybe the avalanche wasn't an avalanche so much it was just uh, whites getting to the bottom of the mountain as quickly as possible. That's actually a good point, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Gravity. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so at, at the very end, when all is said and done, John and his crew, what's left of them, uh, and I think most of the uh, most of the Night's Watch made it back onto the boats, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and a fair number of wildlings, but not all of them. Uh, a good number of wildlings were left on shore and got killed by the whites. Yeah, basically, it was like 5,000 made it out because those are the 5,000 that were going to go. And then yeah. the rest of them weren't going to go because they hate the crows. And the, yes. were the ones that were left on the land when the invasion happened. Right. So first there's this horrifying scene where everybody that's left on land gets slaughtered because there's no more boats to get onto. The giant makes it away, because he just kind of wades into the ocean. <laughs> Which was a cool moment in and of itself. Yeah, he's uh, just kind of like, oh, fuck it, you know, get off, just, get, he's like, get off me. this way, fuck the rest of you. <laughs> but, by the way, we do have a new way to kill a zombie. Stomp them on with a giant foot. That's, yes, yes. That's giant stomping them. apparently works. Te- technically, they're white. Yes. Whatever, <laughs> Phil, you need to stop that. Zombie's a zombie, even if it has blue eyes. Um, no, but uh, so everybody on land. Okay, so we get the 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 Night King is what the character is called. Uh, he's basically the leader of the zombies, um, and he's standing on the shore, looking out towards all the boats, and he brings his arms out to the side and pretty much uh, raises them slowly, and then as he does so. Every wildling that they just killed comes back to life with blue eyes. That's white. Oh my god, that was so awesome. It was easily (laughs) one of the best scenes of the entire series, I think. That was so awesome. I didn't even know what to do. (laughs) What was awesome is that it was done. Eric, it was done in like silence. Eric, you know know what you did? You rewatched it three more times after that. It's true. Like I did. Yes. Yes. Um, And Mike made an excellent point. Yeah, the whole thing is like quiet. It was awesome how how they did it. Yeah, there was no soundtrack. They just fade into silence in the credits. At first, I'm thinking he's got his hands up, and I'm thinking he's going to, what are we doing? Are we going to bring it on here? We're going to do a dance-off? Exactly. (laughs) What's he? He's going to say something. He's like, beat this move, bitch. You know, it's, nope. 
It's like, fuck. And I, I gotta be honest, there was a, there were moments, cause there's uh there's like a moment when John is fighting the first of the, the White Walkers. Yeah. And he gets, at first I love the fact he gets hit in the chest, and then he's like, ah! Oh, through like the rest of the battle. Uh, <laughs> right. Because usually this is, if there, if the wound doesn't kill you, you shrug it off in two seconds. Exactly. So, it's, you know, he got hit hard, and so that was good for, for Frank, I like that. Um, but I, and, and then the, those words from Sam, John always comes back. <laughs> See, I missed that line. Uh, so. I just I, I, I didn't appreciate that line the same way you did. So I'm thinking, um, okay, we're watching, especially we watch, uh, we watch the, the Then die. Was that a new Then or was that an old Then? Um, I think it's a, a new Then. Basically, basically, they made up some, uh, leaders of the Wildlings for this episode and then just killed them off. Okay, cause we had seen Then's Earlier in uh, season four, yeah, I wasn't sure if this was one of the cannibal fens that we had seen, or if this was a brand new one. Yeah, he got killed. Um, So we see the fen get killed. We see um, uh, what we dubbed HW2 get killed. Uh, (laughs) uh, HW2 is Hot Wildling 2. Yes. After Hot Wildling 1. Take it over uh, for OSHA. Uh, I'll wait then. uh, Ingrid. I was thinking agreed, so oh, maybe this has to be right. HW3. Yeah, this is HW3. Yeah, HW3. Okay, there we go. Give Osha her due. Yeah, she Alright, so HW3. Alright, so, so then she gets killed. I'm like, oh, this is, this is going, this is going poorly. Poorly. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm thinking Phil may be very happy this episode, because Rob Stark may not be making it out alive. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but, 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 uh, sorry, uh, John Snow. John Snow might, might be making it out alive. I like John Snow. He's one of my favorite characters. Okay. Um, so that was, so I was very happy to see them all, but that's, again, this is Game of Thrones because it's Game of Thrones and because they've killed so many other people in the past. You don't know. You get, you do get a legitimate sense of jeopardy here that this could be John Snow's final moments. I wasn't sure, but I was, I was, I was concerned. I would admit. The, the, I, yeah, there were a couple moments. <laughs> and, I, and I did sort of like the reverse Jaws thing that was going on. Right? Like Jaws, uh, summer is coming, everybody out of the water. Right. Here. Winter is coming, everyone into the water. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Only Mike would come up with Jaws. Because <laughs> I've seen so many movies where people are like, ah, out of the water, out of the water. This is the first time I think I've seen something where I was like, run into the water, into the water. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering say, if there's like one really okay. happy shark swimming around there. I, just... I, I've been playing uh, Far Cry 4 for a while, and when the rhinoceroses and, and the bears attack me, you just run into the water. And then they stop because they don't come after you. Right. So it didn't, it wasn't a big deal to me, like. <laughs> but uh but you're but you're so, not seeing people on mass doing it. But uh yeah. so one thing that uh I mean it's sad that all the wildlings died. But one thing that's going to come out of this is that the wildlings that did choose to go with Jon Snow now understand that he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, that's true. That's they were true. like, I don't, we don't trust any man in black. Now they know that uh, he would have saved all their asses if they just if they just listened to him. That's right. But then again, you know what? The ones that went are the ones that were basically going to follow uh, Giants Bane and and basically, you know, 
he vouched for Jon Snow. So the ones that weren't agreeing with him were, are all dead anyway, so it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But that's a valid point. So now these guys are more, more apt to be, I guess you're fine, are be in line rather yes. than be, you know. Because, um, I mean, they came along grumblingly, if that's a word. Yeah. Uh, basically like, uh, crow fucker, uh, whatever. I guess that's what will come. Uh, and now they're like, Oh shit, we better get ready for the White Walkers. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so do you think this was, uh, the best scene of the series? Oh, it's up there. It's up there. The only one that might trumpet is Blackwater, but it's mighty close. It's high. It's really high up there. See, like, you have the Red Wedding, and you have, like, Stark's beheading, and you have, uh, the Mountain and the Viper. Oh, and, the Tywin scene—that was that was pretty. Uh, so that one didn't work for me quite as well. Oh, um, so yeah, not as much because I guess I was happier to see him die. But those were also, but those <laughs> were scenes. Tywin to die? Yeah, he was a dick. He was a, yeah, yeah his character so awesome. <laughs> he was an intelligent dick, but he was, he was a, a dick. fun dick. But yeah, it's, I I kind of saw that one come. It's um, those were scenes that happened after many episodes of build up. With character and where we saw something terrible happen to characters we cared about, uh, where this, you right, you said we basically as as much as we I liked uh, HW three ended up caring for her. This was all just spectacle, and yet it had even without killing anybody we know and loved, uh, it still had this like this huge gut punch to it when it was all said and done. You know, especially with him just that final fuck you because not enough that we won we our army just got bigger right and this is the entire point and i was reading re, um right before this i was checking out a website um i think it was den of geek i was reading their review and they point out that i guess there was a there there was supposed to be a um a battle at the beginning of season three that they didn't do because of budget and it does happen, but it happens off screen between the the black and the, and the whites, and it happens between seasons. Right. And they point out, like uh, the, the one the, uh, the Rob Stock Jamie Lannister battle scene. That one was written out. Too. Well, but this one is because specifically the point is that without that, it's really hard to get the threat. Right, so they've been going around, the zombies are coming, the zombies are coming, and everyone's like, meh, so they're never going to be here. They're taking, they're taking the scenic route, where, you know, this finally gives weight, right? When they, when John Snow's saying, you all know what's coming, well, now the audience really, really, really ought to know what's coming. Well, and here's the other aspect, which is that, uh, the people down south pretty much consider the, the, the White Walkers to be a myth. Uh, they don't really, I mean, it's been so long since winter last came, right? That they don't really, a lot of them don't believe, I guess, in the White Walkers. They think it's the boogeyman. Right, except for uh, Stannis. Stannis believes. Right, Stannis believes. Uh, so, so now they've got hundreds of people that can now verify that this is a real threat and they need to get a fucking army up there. Right. And so that's right. why and Stannis th- is, is the hero and, and is the greatest character. 
Oh my god! Right. Uh, well, this and this is why you know it's. We have to remember there's there there mean two different things when they say winter is coming because they've had winters, but they haven't been undead winters. <laughs> right. And and because this is the one that's been what did you say eight thousand years since the last? That's that's about right. I think a long time. Yeah. yeah, since the last real winter, and you know the rest have just been seasonal winters that have come yeah. and gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is this this raises the stakes dramatically. I did like there. You know, I think there's some obvious shout outs to um, to various other zombie mythos. Um, and Pam was saying because she's like noticing they they just keep shooting him in the head. Does shooting him in the head kill them? Does shooting him in the head kill them? And this is a running joke with any zombie thing was that everybody, everyone seems to, when a zombie apocalypse comes, be an expert headshot. They do have a scene where one of the, the, one of the whites shoves their head through the wall with an arrow sticking through it. That's right. But they're white. So that was either, either a Steve Martin zombie or it, the, the shooting in the head doesn't work. But they're not zombies, so it doesn't matter. And oh, the sorry. other being, and the other thing being the, uh. Fights, the fights. Well, when they run over the wall, you know, that's kind We're of hard. not start not to... calling them zombies. Just give up now, Phil. But, but, they, but they don't die when they're shot in the head. And they're they fucking zombies. And they don't turn people into zombies when you bite them. So they're not. Well, right, we, we can call the things and 28 days later zombies. We can call these zombies. So just move yeah. on. So and the other thing being that when they, they come oh, streaming over the cliff, that was clearly uh, evoking uh, World War Z. I prefer to call them the living dead. <laughs> Undead That's no Americans. Point. That's right. That's, no That's right. That's, That's right. What is the correct term? Yes. Oh, boy. So, right, actually, have they said anything about a bite? I mean, because we saw the, what's his name, 1-1? One, one? The I, I, the... I think you're cool as long as you don't die. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. Because I like the giant, I want to see more of the giant. Who's one one? Is he the giant? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. When I was I was reading up on that, yeah, yep. one yeah, one's I, the and, giant. And and uh, I heard it from another podcast why he's called one one. Do you know? No, because George R R Martin is a New York Giants fan, and that was so simple. Oh right, <laughs> and that's that's supposed to be a true story too. Yeah, I remember that's, hearing that. Uh, now that you mention it, wow! Of all the people to idolize, that's a weird one. Well, if, you, if you're from the New Jersey area and you're a fan of football, you most likely would be a fan of one of three teams, Philadelphia Eagles or one of the two New York teams. And Yeah, but if you're going to be the Giants, don't you think it'd be, I don't know, Eli Manning rather than Phil Simms? Uh, I don't know. Phil Simms was... Uh, I mean, he won that, a Super Bowl, but it was pretty much circumstantial rather than anything having to do with his talent. Anyway, this is not a football podcast. Let's move on. That's true, true. And, and you could argue that Eli Manning is, is not that good either. So, Although he beat Tom Brady twice. <laughs> and he, and all, but all that matters is the ring. <laughs> Ring's gotten by cheating. <laughs> oh, and you know what else is interesting about that name? Oh, shut up. Uh, it's, it's the, the giant is named after a giant. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh. The pun there. Oh. Giant. I. Yes. Yeah, you're right. That is. Yeah. That's, that's a little, a little bit clever. Yeah. I, I do, I do think you're, you're a little misinformed though in thinking that anybody in the the New York State area is actually going to be a Jets fan. But it's um... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good point, Mike. Good point. There, there are, anybody who was alive in 1969 will be a Jets fan, and that's right. about it. Yep, yep, that's a fair point. 
there was there was the deleted scene from season three, three where uh, where Ramsey is torturing Theon and he, he, he puts him a, jer- a, a Jets jersey on him. <laughs> and he's like, no! <laughs> That's great. That's oh, uh, sorry, piece. folks. I normally don't speak football, but making fun of the Jets is something I can do. It's a fun pastime. It is. Uh, so yeah, the scene is awesome, and the ending was the best. No, and seriously, I can't. I, I mean, the Battle of Blackwater gives it a good fight, good run for its money. But this scene is just yeah, one is, of the coolest things I've ever witnessed. Yeah, this is better because it has whites. And, or, no, it has zombies. Dead. It has the living dead. <laughs> yeah, that great moment in Blackwater with the the the, the sea of copper fire, right, with the green flame. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, which is just awesome. Um, but that was something that went most of the episode. Over half the episode was that battle. Uh-huh. And was it had two of the best characters in the, in the show too. It was Stannis versus Tyr- Tyrion. Right. This was the last 10 minutes of the episode. You know, this and it wasn't and the rest of the episode wasn't building up to that. It wasn't devoted to it. This is just it was it was just pure kind of confined awesomeness. Um, and by the way, this is the second time they followed a similar structure. Uh, last week, where they started out the first half of the episode in the north, and then and took care of all the storylines in the north, and went back and forth a couple of times, and then sort of treated the second half of the episode as a completely different episode, and but, did the north, but, and 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 then this week did the sort of the same thing. Didn't they start with Arya though in this episode? No, in no, this episode they started with uh, Danny and Tyrion in this episode. Right, but they right in this episode they they did all the non-North stuff first. Everything that didn't have to do with the the North of the Wall first got that all out of the way, and then we went to Sam and Ollie, and then we went to John, uh, and meeting. And so, like the last twenty minutes or thirty minutes of the episode was almost was like its own little self-contained thing. They should have had the whole episode of the battle. It was just too awesome. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I, had to, I had to rewatch it a second time just because it was so awesome. Well, they couldn't. I don't think they could have afforded to do it for longer than the time that they did it. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Unless they had a bunch of cosplay people fighting each other. <laughs> That's a different show, Phil. All right. Right. And I I think, you know, and this is something I said before about the dragons, is it's not just about the budget or that it's CGI or practical, because this is a a mix of both. You know, you have a lot of people in makeup uh, with the digital blue eyes, but you have a lot of people in makeup, but you have, like, the the giant is a practical giant, but the practical giant is done, uh, is then digitally superimposed. Well, then you know what? In the scene. HBO should have done. They should have just told Apple, we'll extend HBO now another six months just on Apple. (laughs) (laughs) And then they would have had the money. Fund fund an episode of all zombie fighting. Living dead. (laughs) Right, but basically my understanding is that this show is paid for by the DVDs. That once that, whatever it is, um, that the, the, the digital sales or the Blu-ray sales, they sold like the first uh, first week. They sell the sixty million that covers the budget for the season. So almost everything else has to be gravy. True, true. I believe that, and it wouldn't surprise me uh, um, if season five will will sell out 
the same way. Uh, even though some people have called it a weaker season, it's still a damn good season. And they are, looks like they're going to be wrapping it up pretty damn good based off of episode eight. And then nine is supposedly the big episode. You know? Well, I was going to say nine's supposed to be the big episode. How the fuck are they going to top this? Well, I'm hoping, I'm part of me almost hopes they don't because, you know, it's the, it's, you know, part of the show is that it can be unpredictable, or is the threat of it being unpredictable. And when it becomes predictable that something big is going to happen every time on episode nine, then you do get people going, oh, we don't have to worry about anything big yet. It's only episode seven, you know, <laughs> or, or as soon as we're waiting to tune into episode nine, we go, well, okay, we're focusing, we're focusing this week on Braun. Braun's going to die by the end of the episode because it's episode nine and somebody always dies in episode nine. Well, so I, I don't, it, so it wouldn't bother me if they shake it up a little bit I, and made episode eight the big episode. I, I, I think they've changed it, Eric, because last season it was eight, nine, and ten were all huge episodes because eight. That's true. Eight was big last year too. You're eight, right. Eight, eight was that the was the mountain ten. and the viper. Yeah, right. had exploded. The number uh, nine was the wall. Yeah, and number ten was Tyr- uh, uh, Tywin. See, I thought eight was bigger than nine last year, but that's just me. Right, yeah. but I'd also say, like, when you look at the eighth episode in season one, which is where Ned Stark is beheaded, and the eighth episode in season three, uh, no, sorry, the ninth episode of season one, and season three was the uh, Red Wedding. Those were episodes that you wouldn't have known were big episodes until they became big episodes. Right. Right. If, if you would, if the, if the power went out with five minutes left in that season one, episode nine, you wouldn't have known it was a big episode. It would have just been another Game of Thrones episode. Right. And same thing with the Red Wedding up until you, you, it follows the same pattern as a normal episode with season two and season four. Those were, we're telling one story in one location. Yeah, they were epic. And those are deliberately epic. So who knows what the, this followed more like the episode one, uh, sorry, uh, the Ned Stark episode and the Red Wedding episode, or the last season, which was the Mountain and the Viper episode, where it wasn't until you got to the end that you went, holy shit. Right. right. And I right. know next episode nine is not going to be one of those one place epic episodes because based off what they showed in the preview, they showed some pretty big uh, things with various things, places. So they showed uh, the wall where Alistair Thorne greets Jon Snow and the Wildlings as they come to the wall. Uh, and then they switched over to other storylines as well. I heard people suggesting that uh, that so that the uh, the men in black would turn on Jon Snow. And I thought, well, that's awfully progressive of them. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, Ching. I'm not the only one that can tell bad jokes around here. Oh, I think we've all done our done our fair share this evening. <laughs> hey guys, I have an idea. Why don't we watch the episode next week and then come back and talk about it? I'd rather talk about it beforehand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, we'll we'll say one thing here is that we'll we'll have the two episodes for episode nine and ten for sure. And then I think we may, assuming if Mike and Eric agree, to do one follow-up episode after that to just discuss our whole thoughts of the whole season as a whole, like we usually do for Dark Discussions. It works for me. Yep, and you know, yeah, next week we have we get Doran back, so we'll see if that works this time. Uh, probably not. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, yeah, because Episode 9, like I said, isn't going to be that epic thing because we, we're going to have Doran again, so, which is not... Well, maybe like 
maybe like I don't know, uh, graboids invade Dorn and <laughs> Jamie and Bron have to fight them off. What's a graboid? From what? Tremors. What? Ah! Oh, jeez. I thought we trained you, Phil. Uh, and, and to be honest, the Tremors episode's coming out this week for Dark. <laughs> Shame. Uh, I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm hoping. I'm still hoping they salvage something out of that because it would be a shame if it was just a complete waste. Because they've got to do something with Jamie, and if they don't do anything with Jamie this season, they kind of ruin the character. Right. I've, I've heard rumors that they're going to make Jamie uh, become the crossdresser. No, become like uh, uh, the head of something in Dawn. He's gonna now, he's gonna leave similar to Tywin, uh, Tyrion, and not go back, and he will join the Dawn folk. Well, that would be cool because I don't want him back with Cersei because she's a bitch. Yeah, yeah, she probably stinks now too. And uh, Marcella probably has a better chance over in Dawn than she would in King's Landing at this point too, because they actually uh, treat women much better in Dawn. I guess so. When they're not, when they're not trying to kill them. Well, it's only the sand snakes that try to kill them. Uh, well, I mean the daughters of the prince. <laughs> That's nobody important. There, right? There, are uh, bad people everywhere. It is good people everywhere, and women can be treated terribly or good, no matter where they are. So, I'm not going to. Yes, but as the prince said, they don't kill young girls in Dorne. But Mike had a good point. The sand snakes wanted to take them out. Yeah, but they're a bunch of crazy bitches. Are they all? I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, jeez. Oh, good boy. All right, so uh, any further things we want to discuss about this episode besides that it was awesome? Uh, I think that's, that's enough. That's the, that's the takeaway. Yeah. yeah, all right, so that's good. So uh, that was the episode, uh, what was it called again? Head Home or something like that? Hard Home. Hard Home. Hard home. Yes, and it was a damn good episode. One of the better episodes will be remembered when the series is over and done with when they think of, oh, some of the best episodes. Oh, that was one of them. Yeah. Sure yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, but like, and I compare this to say like the Red Wedding episode. The Red Wedding episode was an okay episode until you got to the Red Wedding. This was already a really solid episode before it became an awesome episode. I'm disagreeing with you, Mike. I, I, I would have to rewatch the Red, that episode, the Red Wedding episode to be truly knowledgeable on it but i remembered it to be a pretty good episode myself but maybe maybe i'm wrong because you said you've seen it recently well you know what i also wasn't a big fan of season three while season three was on um because it was an awful lot of jamie and brianne wandering through the woods theon getting tortured um stupid uh, Doing stupid things like Rob Stark and Caitlin. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, it's Rob Stark and Caitlin wandering around, wasting time, waiting for the wedding, and all this stuff that was all set up that you didn't see paying off until you get to the red wedding. And then in hindsight, when you know where these things are going, you see there was a lot more going on that made that at least I wasn't picking up on the first time through. Um, so I kind of enjoyed this, the 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 uh, third season on another rewatch more probably than I remembered it. Um, but again, it was, it was very similar, I think, to season five in that it was an awful lot of stuff that didn't seem like it was going anywhere until it did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, I still thought that was a pretty good episode, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this one was pretty good straight from, you know, the first minute all the way to the end. I, well, the Arya stuff kind of sucked. That, that could I was fine with that. I, cause it was something different for, 
She wasn't washing feet. Yeah, but she was selling oysters to a insurance man. She was that sizing is, up is, a target. That is one of the you're you're right, Phil. But that's one of the weirdest sentences I've ever heard anybody saying. <laughs> selling oysters. She was selling oysters man. to an insurance man. <laughs> that's awesome. That's as good as <laughs> as as buggering ponces. <laughs> <laughs> I was just selling oysters to an insurance man, if you know what I mean. Not, not wink, wink. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, however, however, that still does not take the cake for the the weird line for the season, which is still the dwarf lives until we find a cock merchant. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. Uh, among those things of which of these sentences have never actually been uttered, and you would think it would be that one, but nope. <laughs> yeah, so, so another podcast said that uh, that that line was probably the first time it was ever said in the history of the world. Yeah, it's probably right. And and you know what? The thing that sucks about it is it didn't pay off that line. I'm uh, glad it, that the line itself is cock. <laughs> the line well, itself is pay off. Actually, that's a fair point, Eric. <laughs> Yeah, so it's good. There, 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 there have been enough decockifications in this TV series. <laughs> That's well, again, I think if maybe, maybe if the cock merchant sells sells some great gift certificates, we can buy some for Theon. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, enough, enough uh, high school humor. So let's uh, guess wrap it up. So uh, good episode, high thumbs up, and uh, uh, hopefully season five keeps on going this way for the last two episodes. Because if they do, it's gonna uh, round up. Um, a hell of a season uh, after some hiccups, some people would say. Uh, all right, so I guess with that stated, Eric, why don't you leave us out? All right, thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about uh, episode eight of season seven. Come back next week. We'll be talking about season nine. See if they can top it. I say that chance. Season right. nine in episodes. Did I say season nine? You yes, said a couple of bad things. You said you said season seven, episode <laughs> nine, eight, or nine, and then season nine. <laughs> well, see what you fail to understand is I'm from the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs>